Darkcast Network, indie pods with a dark side. October 21st, 2021. In a year-long drumbeat towards implementing biomedical authoritarianism, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau set up a press conference to make an unprecedented announcement. Standing in front of a small gathering of reporters, his COVID statement was to notify the citizenry that he was throwing the full weight of the federal government behind a proof-of-vaccination scheme, one designed to coerce all Canadians into, quote, protecting themselves, their families, and their communities, end quote. And this was despite one's health, dissent, skepticism, or philosophical variance. And despite the mounting evidence regarding the correlation between age, obesity, and comorbidity and stratified mortality rates, on top of the emergence of new variants and the absence of association between alleged vaccination and SARS-CoV-2 spread, Trudeau rhetorically forged ahead and mandated the enforcement of a piece of digital ID that would ensure medical compliance. These QR codes were to be proof of COVID vaccination and were required when traveling abroad or returning to Canada. They were even required presentation to the hostess of a local diner to have something as simple as a cup of coffee. A piece of medical segregation that defied Section 6 of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms and attempted to coerce medical interventions on all Canadian citizens. And despite the moral and ethical implications of a show-me-your-papers society, Trudeau assigned the vaccine passport rules to be enacted on Devil's Night of October 2021, roundly defying long-held social and political conventions for medical privacy, informed consent, bodily autonomy, freedom of conscience, and most importantly, against state-led medical coercion. An ideal widely upheld since the Nuremberg Code of the 1940s. And to further dangle a semblance of normalcy to the credulous public, Liberal Party Minister of Intergovernmental Affairs, Dominic LeBlanc, chimed in with his dystopian and autocratic insistence that, quote, vaccines are the best way to end this pandemic. A standardized proof of vaccination will further enable fully vaccinated Canadians to safely resume some of the pre-pandemic activities they've come to enjoy." End quote. Welcome to Smokeville Brooms, a political true crime podcast exploring history's most infamous governments, parties, leaders, policies, and discontents. Hosted by Gregory Zane. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Smoke-Filled Rooms, a Darkcast Network show dedicated to exploring the seedy underbelly of the political landscape. And today we have something quite special and unprecedented for you. I am welcoming my very first in-studio guest to the program to discuss a highly charged topic of the last three years. I am of course referring to the COVID-19 pandemic, but more specifically, the quote-unquote vaccine passports issue. 
and to help me dissect the various layers of medical authoritarianism, I am presenting a discussion that I had with a rising philosophical writer named Aviel Oppenheim. Aviel is a York University psychology graduate and budding liberty activist who has taken the bold step of throwing his attention purely behind his writing career. When in university, Aviel did a lot of laboratory and experimental work with his department team at York. But amidst the decision to further his educational attainment, his life was eclipsed by the pandemic. And he heard the calling for something deeper, something more meaningful. So Aviel took pen to paper and started inking what has turned out to be one of the sanest and most thought-provoking Canadian works against the COVID regime. So much so that I place him amongst the pantheon of invaluable titles such as Ridley and Chan's Viral, Alex Berenson's Pandemia, Ian Miller's Unmasked, and RFK Jr.'s The Real Anthony Fauci. For now we have Aviel Oppenheim's Ethics of Vaccine Passports, A Poor Bargain, which by the way is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, Kindle, and Goodreads in either paperback, hardcover, or digital versions. Also, make sure to follow him on Twitter by searching at Oppenheim Aviel. That is at O-P-P-E-N-H-E-I-M-A-V-I-E-L. But rest assured, I will include links to this in the show notes. Now, to quickly preface our conversation, I must be perfectly clear that Aviel and I are not Republicans, liberals, conservatives, or Democrats. We have no allegiance to any political party, and we furthermore stand against all state-directed authoritarianism from the left and the right. We are part of the informal liberty movement, and we reject the warfare state, the welfare state, the drug war state, the prison industrial state, and for the sake of our conversation today, the biomedical security state. And few countries internationally were more locked down, restricted, socially distanced, quintuple masked, and vaxxed to the max more than Canada. So a conversation like this has been a long time coming, considering that, to this day, we have collectivist despots who would love nothing more than to re-implement these kinds of draconian virus restrictions. They'd love nothing more than to do this for the flu, for norovirus, and obviously for upcoming seasonal COVID. Despite their highfalutin rhetoric about saving lives, we all know that this is about political control, about pushing socialist ideals, and the sheer sadism of punishing dissenters just to make their lives miserable. Because we know now that the COVID regime destroyed lives, it decreased people's overall health, it crushed small businesses, and thwarted our children's educational development. They locked abusers in with their victims for months at a time, they inflated the currency to generational highs, destroyed marriages, enriched multinational corporations, and encouraged familial strife during holidays. They told us to fear one another's breath, dehumanized us with ineffectual face coverings, and they made the acceptance of a corporate medical product the be-all and end-all of your duties to the corrupt oligarchs. But one of the worst offenses they waged against free peoples was the one they seemingly used to justify their crimes and get things, quote-unquote, back on track. They cynically offloaded their pandemic failures by pitting citizen against citizen in a caesarean ploy known as divide and conquer, the vaxxed versus the unvaxxed. And P.S., God help your idiotic and cruel existence if you perpetuated these absurdities in any capacity whatsoever. For at the crux of legitimizing the state's abuse of power amidst the pandemic was the quote-unquote 
vaccine passports, a device used to segregate and scapegoat a minority of individuals who were exercising their unalienable rights to choose what did and did not enter their body. And the whole point of this exercise and podcast is to never forget what happened to our liberties so that this doesn't ever happen again. That we never allow this dangerous precedent to be revisited. That we never again trust Big Pharma's self-serving agenda. And that we never look at our fellow human beings as plague rats, super spreaders, or vectors of contagion. The dehumanization process was intentionally and cynically put into motion by bad faith actors who wanted nothing more than for you to be the problem. Not their mishandling of a crisis, not their idiocy in running a healthcare system, not their experimentation with virological research, and certainly not their avoidance of pertinent evidence along the way. No, they wanted it to be about you and your incessant intransigence. Just shut up, take the jab, and download the app. Unsurprisingly, Useful idiots far and wide happily repeated the authoritarian sloganeering, more than willing to throw their fellow citizens under the bus because Big Pharma and our political elites told them to do it. Recall that little over a year ago, as reported by a Merrow Group poll in January of 2022, and I'll repeat that, a Merrow Group poll of January 2022, 27% of Canadians were propagandized into saying aloud, that the unvaccinated should be jailed. This is within an alleged liberal democracy in the 21st century who prizes itself on equity and inclusion. Relitigation of these topics is crucial because of the damage they have already wrought and the potential for evil they present in the future. As a thought experiment, just imagine your worst enemy having the same pandemic powers over you the next time around. So with that in mind, I now present to you a conversation with author, liberty activist, and philosopher, Mr. Aviel Oppenheim. Well, here we are with Aviel Oppenheim. So firstly, I'd like to say, Aviel, that this was an exceptionally uh, powerful book. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I loved how it struck a perfect balance between the historical and the philosophical at the same time. And for a 200-page book, like it packs an amazing rhetorical punch into it. Lots of I love the liberty rhetoric throughout the whole thing. So, and almost every page, I I was gonna go down a bunch of quotations I had for you from the book, mm -hmm. but I got overwhelmed because almost every page has something that could be considered like a notable quotation on it. So, thank you again for writing the book and for the copy. Actually, thank you. Yeah, man, no problem. So again, for everyone listening. Uh, the name of the book, it's called Ethics of Vaccine Passports, A Poor Bargain. And again, it's Avil Oppenheim. And if I remember correctly, at the end of the book, Avil, you said you started this as sort of like a therapeutic exercise because you were having a hard time coping with the whole pandemic situation. Mm -hmm. Or I, maybe I'm imagining that part. But please tell me, tell me a little bit about how it came to be. Mm -hmm. So I think it started around 2020. Where, um, like at first with the lockdowns, I didn't really think much of it because at that point I didn't really know about like libertarianism and all of those stuff. Yeah. So at the beginning, I was just going through the motions, but I still would not get vaccinated. So I was still kind of feeling like something bad was about to happen. Because okay. all my friends at that time, they were all getting vaccinated because they knew at one point they'll have to. 
Okay. Then I'm like, Jesus, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, yeah, the the propaganda campaign yeah. was ramping up huge at that point. And at yeah. first, no one was really gonna get vaccinated. At first, they were, you know, kind of talking about how it's so like mm, quickly rushed and all that. Yeah. And then at one point, it was like a snap of a finger. Yeah. Where everyone sort of think the same. Okay. Yeah. And then at that point, I felt like, holy shit, it's me against the whole, whole freaking world. So it came to, I think it was the summer when they were starting to talk about vaccine passports in 2021 or a little bit beforehand. And I was just seeing the way they were trying to argue for it. Yeah. And all my friends were like, oh, this is probably a, actually a smart idea. Like it's, they never talked about vaccines or passports my whole life. And now they're just talking about this stuff as, it's, as if it's always been. Yeah. So I was like, wow, I got to like talk with someone about this. Thankfully, I had my family, but that was about it. Okay. So I'd be online a lot, kind of arguing back and forth to people, which is a was really brain numbing online. Yeah. yeah, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and I was like, these people have like terrible arguments, like that's insane. I, so I kind of started to write it as an essay format. Okay. So it was like twelve pages, and I just kind of wrote like certain arguments in the way the books made. Yeah. And at one point, I was like, there's just so much I'm writing and so much is going on while I'm writing. I'm like, geez, it's like I'm going to write a whole freaking book about this. Yeah, yeah. So I just kept seeing quotes from people, kept talking with people, kept seeing the way they're thinking. And that just evolved into um, a book. And um, I'll add one more thing where I felt what really got me to write the book is because I found I, I was kind of finding out that no one really knew how to argue against it because it's we've never really seen it right yeah so it's almost as if it's such a new thing and it's not like you can go back and you know like the 1950s and see what they said right yeah, yeah it's yeah. a completely new thing so i really wanted to add something in the lit into the literature to kind of get people at least in the future if let's say passports come back or it's something else that's similar yeah. or they'll have something that they can look back and help them think it through and not feel like they're completely alone so that's that's really what got me yeah because it was a completely novel concept Mm -hmm. that was digitized and it was being like coerced on people from the almost very beginning because actually i was looking this up because i was thinking back to myself i was trying to see what i remembered Mm -hmm. and i was like okay when do i first remember hearing about this passport i remembered first hearing about it in uh, early 2021, and this is when they really started to ramp up the actual uh, the actual vaccination campaign. Yeah. I remember how they started to roll old people first, and then they, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I actually, but I looked into it a little bit, and I do, I know after I looked it up, I was like, oh yeah, they did do that. So it was in actually, the, the earliest article that I could find was October of 2020, when people were saying that Ticketmaster was going to make you show proof of vaccination to see a concert. I think I remember that. That was the earliest article I could find about it. And then it seems like after that, it, right away, and it was weird, the, the, the responses to it right away were like, no, there's no way they can do that. Ticketmaster's not going to make you do that. They're, you know, this is going to be up to the venues and stuff. Just as an exercise to kind of see what I remember that timeline being like. So why do you hate the Vax Passport so much, Avio? Because you write at one point, quote, if there was ever a public health measure that extends to the extreme, it ought to be the vaccine passports. For if the passports do not violate the democratic constitution, no public health measure ever will. 
It is difficult to brainstorm a measure more damning than the vaccine passports without crossing into full totalitarianism. No other government intrusion cloaked in philanthropic intentions has ever been more invasive and demanding in the history of mankind. So, why do you hate them so much? And can you kind of give me a synopsis of what you're going for in your book? So essentially why I, I hate vaccine passports so much comes down to what my book tries to answer. And that is the question of if you have to show a passport that shows that you had a certain pharmaceutical injection or drug or whatever it is to enter a cafe or to even serve food to someone, what does that say about humanity? What does that say about who we are as a species and what does that really say about how we interact in the world and what relationship that has with the government? So in terms like that's really what the book is answering. And then that's also why I hate it so much, because essentially it makes us into like little livestock. Yeah. Like it essentially makes it so we can, can only interact and go into each and go into cafes and each other's homes if we have a certain vaccination record or a certain amount of drugs that we like accepted into our systems and it just makes us into in like and then in the book i say that it really turns it into an inhuman society like i don't see any humanity left and that's also why i was so shocked to see people go so crazy about it in terms of a good way like they're so happy about it i'm like are you drugged or something like well, what they the really, hell they, yeah and they really dangled the freedom in front of you right like yeah. that was a, an implicit part of this whole scheme was that if you want your freedom back you got to do this otherwise we're not you know you're going to be ostracized like and and the, which is strange to me still that in in the modern day that uh everyone everyone seems to in, at a social level pride themselves on being accepting and inclusive but this was completely the opposite. This was, no, we're going to demonize a whole group of people for not accepting a corporate medical injection. That's what it is. <laughs> and I think that's the issue. People don't see it that way. And that's what the book also captures, is that people don't see it as a pharmaceutical corporate injection. They see it as like a holy grail that like... It proves you're part of the team. It proves you're, you're yeah. cool. You're willing to it's go like along a, with the program. Mm, yeah. Mm, badge of honor kind yeah, of so yeah yeah well i gotta ask you one thing about this too because i like this this kind of this topic very very uh like you just said your family was very good with you um but this was a, a fraught topic where people were took this like very hard lines myself included i was so much again i never got the jabs um, which is actually, sorry, that's very kind of you to call them vaccines, but I, I call them jobs. I, that's I, what I hear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I call them too. But in terms yeah. of the book, I want to be like I know, more you want formal to pro -pro Professional. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, the weight of the issue was so much that I, I was kind of wondering when I was reading your book, you know, did you lose or, or have any relationships in your real life get fractured by the, by the writing of this book or, or, or about your, your openness on the topic? Yeah, I mean, um, like, thankfully, my my family was all in the same court. E e uh, even if um, like I don't want to mention names, but mm -hmm. some of them may have had to get the vaccine or the jab for their work. But in terms in terms of the totality of it, we were all sticking together. But everyone else around me, I just like I couldn't. Like there came a point 
where I was writing the book, but I wasn't really telling anybody about it. It was like a secret thing I was doing. Like, yeah, okay. Because everyone at that time thought, you know, I was going into like graduate school for all that like yeah. shit. But I didn't want to do that at all. Like I want to just write this book and then start something new. Yeah. So it was really, it was so, sort of me living a double life. Okay. Like at home kind of, I, you know, I'm this person. And in person, it's like all, all my friends at one point were like, everyone's going to get the vaccine soon or get the jab soon. And, and, then, they kept, and then they kept asking me yeah. like when I was going to do it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, later. Yeah. yeah. Like, I was like, I don't know. And then I and then it just kept going, and then that's all they talked about. Like yeah. that—that's all people talked about. Yes. Like yeah. the vaccines, um, the mandates, the jobs, mm -hmm. the traveling, the going to concerts, mm -hmm. and so it became really overwhelming. Where I was living two different lives, kind of. And then the moment that I started to speak out about it in person, and I remember a funny little um, anecdote, kind yeah. of, yeah. where I was in the elevator with some of my friends, and. Um, one of them asked if I'm vaccinated. And I think it's like 2021 20, summer. So everyone's already vaccinated at that yeah, point. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, no. And he's like, what? And all, and then my my friends around me just looked down. Like no one said anything. It was the most awkwardest thing ever. Yeah. And then, you know, we go in my house or whatever, my condo. And then the conversation again comes into the passports that were about to come, I think. Yeah. And the, uh, and then, What's it called again with the phones, the codes? The QR codes. Yeah, the yeah. QR codes. And started talking about that. Yeah. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. I was like, trying not to say anything. And it became so overwhelming where I just couldn't see them really. Okay. So at one point, it's not really like their fault. It's like me. It's like I just can't be around this. Yeah. yeah. And I can't keep hearing this stuff and knowing that like you guys are going to restaurants and you guys are going to concerts, traveling. And I'm literally at home. I can't do anything. Yeah. And it just made me feel like a second class. Like it really, like in, like it really made me feel like a second class citizen in real time. You know, it's like I'm with friends, but I know I'm like not at the same level as them. Yeah, I, I mean, that's exactly the kind of sentiment that I had too. I mean, when when this first started coming out. When they started releasing them and start, and like I could tell, like I I study political science and I follow this stuff closely, so I was I was well aware of what they were up to in early 2021 because they were they were sending out trial balloons. The government was like, you know, maybe we, you know, what, uh, what do they do? Articles like, uh, what what do you think about a vaccine passport? Just to, you know, they're they're putting feelers out and stuff. And right when I heard Justin Trudeau say, "We will never make anyone." get vaccinated. I, I was like, okay, well, they're going to do this. They're definitely going to, if he says anything, it's always the goddamn opposite. So of course he's going to do it. But I know what you mean about that feeling of, of inferiority during this whole thing, which is, I, I had to keep reminding myself the whole time because I was kind of in the same boat as you were. At the very beginning, I was thinking like, this is a novel technology I want to see how it goes first. I'm going to let everyone else get theirs, and then I'll see what, what happens. But along the way, everything they said just kept falling apart. And to, thanks to people like Alex Berenson on Twitter, mm -hmm. who actually got banned for saying these things and, you know, thankfully moved to Substack, so we got to continue reading them. But, yeah, I, I had to keep reminding myself that I was, you know, you're a, you're a good person. This, this doesn't reflect on you as a moral human. This is just something that they're forcing on people and they're propagandizing them into making them believe that this is what good people do. That, that's how they dressed it up because, yeah, I, quickly, I'll just go over, like, 
And it was especially despicable to me because I, I've never asked the government for anything in my life. I've never asked them for any kind of uh, benefit or anything like this, right? Outside of my children being born, I've never been in a hospital, right? No health problems at all. Like, and even when my children were born, my two boys, I had private insurance to upgrade to a private room, right? So, so, even, so even that, I helped chip in for that. So healthcare, so I've never asked the government for anything. The healthcare system never used it. I'm 100% law-abiding citizen, pay all my taxes. I have, you see, I have a house. Uh, I donate blood at least six times a year. I'm, I'm actually going to be going in for my 78th donation in a couple of weeks. I've ran for office before. I write about politics. I donate to charities. I raise my kids right. They never get in trouble with anyone. Full-time worker my whole adult life. 100% taxes paid. Homeowner. Never hurt anyone in my life. But during this, I'm a villain. I'm an asshole and a villain because I won't accept the job. When That's it. That's, that's the one thing that makes you you. Yeah. The, the job. And, and if you don't get it, you're just like a, like, that's it. You're just... Cast it away as if nothing you do or think even matters. No, it was all everything in life was predicated upon that one piece of government issued proof, which I was even thinking to myself, even if I did get the job, there's no goddamn way I'm going to show this code to anybody or this paper. Are you kidding me? This is the kind of world you want to live in. But we'll get into the, the repercussions down the road. But uh, obviously, this is a political true crime show. I got to ask you, do you consider what they did do you consider that a crime, what they've done to us? I would say so. Okay. And you kind of get into it at the end of the book, which you know, the, the constitutionality of it, mm. right? Um, do you think you can explain that quickly too? Because you had a good section there about the Oaks test, right? Mm. Can you kind of explain what that is to people? Mm. So the Oaks test is a constitutional uh, assessment. I think it was made in 1982. And I didn't even know about it really until I was writing the book. And I was trying to figure out like, how is this, how is this not constitutional? And why is no one, and like, is there anything that can sort of uh, like a a any assessment that can show it as unconstitutional? Yeah. And so that's what the Oaks test kind of is made for. And yet I don't even think it even applied. Like, I don't even know if people actually try to get the vaccine passport that they use and try mm -hmm. to measure it up with the Oaks test. Yeah. I don't know if that's even been done yet. I don't. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if there was any constitutional challenges outside of like, I know that Maxine Bernier and that former uh, senator from, from out East, they were challenging, uh, they were challenging the vaccine mandate uh, certification uh, in regards to traveling because they even restricted, remember, they even restricted us from traveling within our own country at that yeah. point. I didn't even be on a plane so freaking long. I didn't even. Me too. I mean, it, it's actually weird. Like um, in February of 2020, I was in Florida and I'm, I got to visit with family and see some baseball games, some spring training games. And stuff. I'm a huge baseball fan. So that was awesome. But it was weird. When I came back from the trip, I, I was sick. And it was a, it was a respiratory throat virus that I had, but remember at that point, beginning of March, they hadn't officially said or counting cases or anything. So, you know, uh, I think I had COVID way before anyone even really knew what the fuck COVID was, right? Because, well, we know now that it was released much earlier than they started telling people about. But anyway, um, let's get back to our, our topic here. So, um, 
Although I'll add too. Yeah, sure. Um, like with the constitutional stuff, I think I think there was an whose headline said that the Ontario um, justice system or the court system said that the vaccine passports were constitutional. Yeah. Pretty sure that's what they said a few weeks ago. Yeah. So it just kind of shows you that even though I little sort of wrote about like I because I wanted to get the analysis of vaccine passports from each angle, kind of right, like yeah. the philosophy, the science, yeah. the constitutional, and the law. But really, like it didn't do anything, you know. No, I mean, yeah. Like I mean, it was just a piece of paper that no one cared about, and they only cared about it after it happened. It's sort of like let's make everyone get the jabs. And then let's say, oh, oops, it's not really that constitutional. Like, let's, you know, I'm sorry. But the damage has already been done, you know, already been done. Yeah, it's already been done. And I wonder if a bunch of these things will eventually uh, come up for another case, because it seems like, like recently, especially, it was so exciting that you were going to come here and talk to me, because in the last week, it seems like the whole house of cards is just collapsing on itself. We've seen articles about masks being useless. Like they're, they're admitting it now. Natural immunity is real, just like we've been saying the whole time. So people like us that had it, we are fine. We're, we're just fine. So they're admitting about the mask. They're admitting natural immunity. Um, they're, they've admitted, I, it took them a while, but they eventually admitted that the vaccines, alleged vaccines, don't prevent contraction or transmission. Uh, I know that's kind of old hat now, but yeah. still, like it has to be said out loud because this yeah. is important. And then actually today, I don't know if you checked out the news this morning. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Department of Energy in the states they've they've said that they're pretty damn sure that 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 it came from the laboratory. So pretty much everything they told us was bullshit, and it's slowly slowly being admitted now in a, in a roundabout way. A lot. It's going to be interesting watching these people cope and how they try and spin this to so that you know I was wrong, but here's why. You know, like that's going to be a fascinating thing to kind of that or the. Pretend they never said this or yeah. never said that. Like so many people I knew yeah. with natural immunity, especially when I was on Instagram on social media. But yeah. now I'm not. I'm like screw those platforms, like, except for Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> and so many people, because I'm like tw- any five, right? So when this was going on, I'm like 23, you know, still young, whatever. Like, yeah. A lot of people I knew going to like you know to like clubs and all that stuff. And all the a lot of the um a lot of the stories they were like they. Everyone I knew freaking like shoving it down my throat. Mm-hmm. So they, I remember for natural immunity, they kept showing these g- graphics of why you should get vaccinated, right? Every freaking day for like, I was going to like, like break my phone. I'm like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, um, uh, yeah, I kept talking about natural immunity, like last for like three weeks. So that's why I have to get it. And they're never going to admit they said that. I can't even find that damn graphic they gave me, yeah, but they're yeah, just yeah. the same thing. Yeah, natural immunity lasts for two weeks, one week. We're not even sure if you could become immune. Yeah. And they just, now there's, don't even think they're going to admit that they went that far. I don't think they'll admit they went that far. Oh, uh, I know. I'm, I, yeah, I know. It, it, it would be awkward to present some people with those <laughs> things. Like, I'm, I'm really waiting for like media folks that push this hard. Like, because we, ha- it doesn't matter if you don't, if you can't find the graphics, we have the receipts of these people, right? Exactly. And they got a lot to, and they were complicit. And which leads into my next kind of question here is so when we take a step back and look at the totality of the pandemic, we've got, you know, you've got, uh, I, and I guess I mean, in regards to, uh, the main actors directing this thing from the top down. You, you have big pharma, you have the government, 
you have the medical experts, you got the legal system, and you got the corporate sector, right? Who of those entities do you blame the most for what happened? It was the government who purchased it. Okay. Because, like, I have no issue with vaccines, and if people want to take vaccines or take drugs or whatever they want, as long as they pay for it out of their own wallet. Yeah. Okay. And I don't want, like, I'm not one of the people who, like, um, who would tell pharmaceuticals what they can sell and what they can't sell. Yeah. They can sell whatever they want as long as the people who want them actually want them and take it and not the people who don't want them. And that they're safe. Yeah, yeah. that does help. You <laughs> would hope they're safe. But if they're going to take it that's not safe and they actually know it's not safe and they yeah. still take it, I mean, that's your Yeah, like, I, mean, I, I agree. That's completely Yeah, like, I'm not going to stop you or, like, smack you over the head. For, for you know no. doing it you want to mess yourself up on heroin go yeah it, so right? i'm saying yeah. it's the people who bought it and then mandated it but obviously i hate everyone who was com- complicit in it and and i think the corporate thing the corporate media is no one really talks about them much like i kind of want to blame them the most okay. because they have such power yeah in terms of they shift public views and public opinion and all these freaking experts and academics and professors yeah all those schmucks, yeah. uh, they have a lot of power, and they know they have a lot of power. And then I think, like, um, like I, I kind of look back into the fifties, like mm-hmm. in the United States and South Africa, yeah. and all the places that sort of normalized uh, segregating blacks and certain um, groups of people, and wondering how the hell did that happen? Mm-hmm. And you look at how it happened. The government made laws and legislations and the and then the corporate media sort of uh sort of pushed one view and then eventually it became so normalized that you sort of don't even know how it happened yeah i think that's what happened in vaccine passports like no one talked about it and then bam you just started to segregate the unvaccinated when your whole life you never even thought about it but now all of a sudden it's so natural to you you're right. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Like they are the ones that ultimately have to sell it to the people, mm-hmm. right? Because at that time, like I, uh, the state did have a pretty good stranglehold on information at that point. Like this was a huge reassertion of like the state as an entity. You know, yeah. I don't know. You must in university if you took any classes. There were like the thing throughout my whole university career was globalization. Economic globalization is going to destroy the state and, you know, the neoliberals are going to run everything, right? But this really, they got back into the driver's seat with this one. But, okay, my kind of thing with this is I put, I think, a disproportionate amount of blame on Big Pharma because I think that they bullshitted their way into making these huge contracts with government. Because at the time, I think most of the governments around the world with the exception of like Florida, was they were saying to themselves, and and I imagine like war rooms across the world, there's government officials meeting and they're saying like, this, thing's, this thing looks bad. We don't have an out. We need to get the economy back on track. We can't keep printing money like this. We need something to save us. Like, and then the corporate businessman from, from Pfizer walks in, I got your solution right here. You buy these, make everyone take them. You guys are going to be back making your economy boom like in no time, like just selling it huge, right? I could totally, so I, and I, I still, I wonder how much they actually knew before they sold these things to, like, are, are we, are we finding that out at all? Do you know anything about that? Like, did they, like, we know that they didn't run a full trial yeah. because there's no way they could have in the short amount of time they had. And then they had the 
court um document right that yeah. like they wanted to wait until like 27 oh to release the the results yes that's right i forgot about that so yeah okay they they did obviously know that their product was faulty or i guess what would a vaccinologist say leaky yeah. right it's, it was a leaky vaccine but they upsold it to the government on massive contracts yeah. i mean i think here in canada we i want to say that trudeau bought enough for 10 vaccinations for every Canadian. That's how many doses he bought, most of which are in landfills at this point, I believe, right? Uh, <laughs> that's a crime. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so, yeah, I agree. That is, like, treasonous to some degree, right? Yeah. It's 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 a massive theft, too. So, okay, so you're you're still kind of sticking with the state. You, you think the state is mostly to blame, or do you... What do you think about anything I just said there about... I definitely agree that pharma... I think they definitely knew, but I wonder, like, with the population, like, I feel like, I don't know if it, like, I wonder how much it would have, like, I feel like, let's say Pfizer and Moderna were actually honest about it. Yeah. I wonder if the masses would, would still line up if it came down to, you know, if the state said, you got to take it, even though you might die, just take it. I think they would. That's, you know, that's something, it. it's like a sacrifice that I will take for my, you know, my country i'm gonna say because they knew that there's you know a small chance right yeah if they knew there was a higher chance but i do think if they knew that it won't stop transmission specifically maybe well obviously i think it would have been a little bit less extreme in the views yeah. but i still think it would have went through the motions in some ways you know I agree because, yeah, you're right. Like that was such that was one of the most insidious parts of this whole thing where like they kept saying these lines. And I actually have a Trudeau quote right here that, you know, you you get vaccinated so you can protect yourself, your family and your community. Right. <laughs> That's what he was always on about. Like, uh, you're, you're not doing this for you. You're doing it for someone else. Yeah. Right. The way that you say his voice, too. I just hear it. I'm like, oh, I get kind oh, of shivers. Vaccinated. So many times I heard that. I can't. Un yeah, I, I'll I never know, be able to. I know that. when I wrote the book, I was looking at Trudeau quotes, right? A shit ton. And it came a point where I was done the book. And I'm like, okay, I, I will never hear this man speak again. So I've never even looked at him since. Like, I wrote the book. I'm like, okay, that's it. That's all I have for Trudeau. Yeah. The, the rest is up to you guys. Like, I can't even, I can't even listen to him. I'll get too, like, upset. Okay, well, this, this, this dovetails nicely into my next kind of thing, which is, so, uh, like, I want to ask you kind of about some of the reasons you think that Canadians kind of accepted this. Because I remember you writing about, in, in your book, you, you wrote about um, how in, in times past, this probably would have sparked a revolution, but that we're kind of docile and complacent now. And like, and this is one of the big, like one of the many, I guess, black pills I was forced to swallow during the pandemic was that, you know, I, before this happened, like I was kind of like a Gary Johnson libertarian before. Mm -hmm. And I was like naively, naively certain that, you know, people would reject this kind of stuff like out of hand, you know, because we were rugged and relatively educated Canadians, right? Like we, we deal with winter, we go to university, we're tough, we're smart, we, we know, and we don't need some government acting like a parent, right? So yet I, it was, I was hard pressed to find almost anyone in real life who I could actually confide in that I could speak to about what I felt without, you know, there was like a thought crime thing going on. So just again, why do you think that so many people accepted this? Mm-hmm. I know that's a big part of the book, too. Like, at the very beginning, like, in the first few chapters, I kind of, because I, when talking about the vaccine passports and the COVID vaccine uh, 
like the way I called it was a COVID vaccine mm, crusade, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it really was. It was just a mm, crusade of the jab or whatever the hell that shit was. But it was a very much a crusade and it's sort of, and I also thought to myself, like how the hell did the whole damn pop, like how did the, th- the 36 million people just ro- roll down backwards? Yeah. And I think it, like I think the fact that you said how a lot of people go to u- un- university and all that, I think that's part of the issue too. Yeah. <laughs> Like, academia is just so corrupted. Yeah. And it's, like, it's such a hive mind. Yeah. Like, even when I went to university, it was very liberal, very, and not, like, the good liberal, like, the very left, like, the socialist, Marxist, and that's sort of the way I was sort of taught, yeah. in a way. And so it kind of was, like, a big rep pill for me. I was, like, like, I kind of saw, like, I was kind of saw certain things, but I didn't really, like, I didn't know anything about liberty. Terranism, and even though I learned about like Voltaire and Locke in university, they never even called them classical liberals. Like I didn't even know that was a word. Like they really, they really, they they brainwash. Like the I think so, and so everyone I knew who you know very smart, very in high grades, Mm -hmm. they were just a bunch of shills for the thing, and (laughs) didn't even question government authority. Didn't even question if government should exist, or, or 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 even question. Like, what is, you know, what's a natural right, right? No conception of that. And then when I talk to people online, especially in Canada, some of them don't even think there should be natural rights. Absolutely. So it's like, you know, they're, you know, they're smart people, educated, but they're like very slave minded. And I think that's what led them to become so obedient because they didn't even know how to say no. It's like, look at this government. It's, you know, it's, you know, like trying to help me. And even on the subject, I remember a conversation with one of my friends, and the way they were, and then the way they were trying to justify it was that the government must be doing it for my own good, you know. Like if they're being so aggressive and making me bend down, it must be for a good reason, you know what I mean? Like there must be something, and so I should do it. It's like a father or a mother, right? You know, yeah. you have so much faith in it. Yeah, you're right. Because I, I luckily, like I was red pilled on these things quite a while ago um uh like so going into this whole pandemic like i knew not to trust like actually i'm not afraid to really admit this but i used to be on the left like back in the late 2000s i actually i ran for the green party mm-hmm. at one point when they were actually a, a, a normal entity right mm-hmm. uh i quit them in in about 2015 uh, after brexit because that made them lose their minds. And then Trump made them lose their minds yeah. even more, which actually this, that, that ties into, like I, when I was just asking about how, why Canadians reacted the way they did, I feel like there was this huge thread in, in Canada of, you know, we always have this inferiority complex with the United States. So a lot of people were looking at Ron DeSantis and Governor Abbott, and they were saying, we're not like those Cretans down there that are killing grandma at the beach right? Having beach parties, you know, we're smart up here. So we listen to, to the government. Oh, yeah, I, I remember those. Yeah. And it's actually, sorry, just one more thing, because you were mentioning about your university, uh, your, your education. And uh, when I was doing my program, uh, so I had, I did economics, I did like, uh, I did uh, international relations, political science courses, uh, hi, like uh, political history courses. And I'm not joking. I, I had to, I, it was about 30 courses, 32 courses altogether, right? I got issued the Communist Manifesto 
in, I'm not joking, 11 different classes. Yeah, I got the book, I'm pretty sure, I, I had I, to. I had so many copies of that goddamn book by the time I was done. So, uh, <laughs> but that, it, there was nothing even close to it. Like, I think the next closest book to it was, like you said, Locke. And that was maybe, I thought it maybe two, maybe three times throughout my, but yeah, 11 different courses. The Marxist professors, like, you take this, this is part of it. What does it have to do with international relations? Just read it. This is, this is involved. So that was, that was straight, but good point on that. Okay, so I have a few theories about why we reacted the way I did, the way we did. I'll go through them one at a time, and maybe you can comment on them if you feel like it. So I guess my first theory about why we reacted so harshly and strangely, I would say, is one of them is the, the boomer influence on voting. I th they're obviously, they're, I think, still the biggest voting demographic. They're the ones who are most at risk for the virus. And so being like... Uh, Sly politicians looking out for their careers, they saw the best chance of getting reelected or a potential election in the future as catering to the boomer demographic on the COVID topics because they were the ones most likely to vote and they were the ones that were most scared about it. So what do you think about that possible as a causal factor or an explanatory factor? I would say so. You say so? But it's funny that even with the news of, you know, what happened in um, New York, right? Yeah. The governor sent the old people in the nursing home Cuomo, and they all like yeah. died together. <laughs> yeah. And yet they still support it. It's like, oh, the, he, he's still trying to help me. Like he still has my back. <laughs> yeah, that was, that's such a strange thing that I don't get. Like I didn't really get it before this happened. But now after it happened, like after we know everything we know, like this blind faith that people have in the state, where do you think that comes from? I like I kind of hinted, I kind of hinted at it in my last podcast on democide, and I got into uh, political socialization. I think is a huge part of this, and it does kind of like it does kind of make sense the way Canadians reacted, I guess, to a degree because we're raised to be more socialist than an American is. And you take pride in it. It's almost like they're so individualist and yes. we're so collective. Yeah, yeah. So that, It's like you're so happy about it. It's like you feel proud. So again, that, that's another causal factor, I believe. Another one that I was kind of thinking about was this general trend towards safetyism. Mm -hmm. So I remember back, like, I, I can't exactly say where I work, but I, I work with my hands. I'm a tradesman. And back when I started my job... Um, you didn't have to wear much safety equipment. I started there almost like 20 years ago. So back when I started, you'd have to wear much safety equipment. I mean, you'd have to wear like steel-toed boots, right? Mm -hmm. But they didn't care if you wore earplugs, mm -hmm. your glasses, hard hat, chemical vests, if you're working with, with chemicals, right? But over the years, they added things. And now you pretty much look like the Michelin man when you go, have to go and do my job now because of how much, yeah, because how much safetyism has crept in. So do you think that is a, is a partial... I think that's a good word to use, safetyism. Yeah. And I even thought of like that word, but 100%. Like, I think there's a, especially I think tied into the jabs and the vaccine, I think there's a huge safetyism problem. Okay. Where I think, like, I know even, I talked to some of my friends or whatever about, um, like, about how I don't want to take the jab for this thing. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, but you had to take it in school when you were like one. 
I'm like, don't care. And it's like, I'm not a child and I don't, and I'm not in school. Like it's not an elementary school. Yeah. And I think it ties to safetyism, ties into the infantilization, which is what I bring up I, too. I love that. Okay, good. Yeah. When you, you treat yourself like a child and your government is your principal and teachers. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm a fully fudged adult. I don't want to take the damn thing. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. But they really see it. Like even for kids, like I don't care really what you do. I don't. But it's like, they'll like, I even want to, um, one of the people I was talking to said how they think it's child abuse. If let's say you don't give your son or your child X and Y, yeah. like they see the child abuse. Like that's like, it's like Jesus, like, wow. you. So I think that creeped in to the COVID stuff where it's like, if you don't take it, then you're hurting people and you're prolonging the pandemic and all that, blah, blah. And then I think with the safety issue, I I think it's huge now because, like, people have masks, they have the plexiglass stuff, they wear gloves, they wear even in Richmond Hill, right, where I'm from. Everyone wears masks still, in the park still. It's, and I think people don't grasp the concept that, like, having risk is okay. It's like if you walk down the street, you don't want to go into a hazmat suit and, like, put on a helmet and gloves because, you know, you might slip and, you know, like uh, scrape your ankle. Yeah. Like, who cares if that happens? Like, you don't have to stop every possible risk in life. But now they've gone to this weird thing where it's like, I might as well mask, gloves, get an extra vaccine every year because I might as well have that protection. Yeah. It's like, you don't really, like, relax. Like, you don't really need, like, you don't need that. I don't know, they just can't see a world where they're not fully protecting against everything in the world. Yeah, but that's that's what I mean. You're right, because that's what it seems like they're kind of going for. Like everything in the world is gearing towards if it can even save one life, right? I hate that. Saying, I know, yeah. but that that is that was the line, right? That was but a very it, but, powerful line. And again, you brought up a good point there because it, it feeds back into your your big enemy in this, the media, right? They were the ones that were selling it to people to react to it like this. And I remember, um, I remember a, a, a great study. I can't remember who actually did the study, but I remember Bill Maher just brought it up last week on his show when he was confronting a couple, uh, like, blue check t- okay. Twitter, Twitter journals on his show, right? So he was saying, because of the way you guys reported the statistics and the way you reported everything to people, you made it out to be a lot more dangerous than it was to the point where if you asked a liberal or very liberal person what are your chances of being hospitalized if you get the virus? 50% of them said you're going to the hospital if you got it. I think I saw and But for conservatives, it was generally around like low 20s or high teens, right? So there was a big disparity in the way they presented it and what it actually was that fueled into the safetyism aspect of, of our modern reality where, you know, we have to avoid every injury we can and even see it like stuff in the NFL where you can't, Hit the quarterback as much, right? Yeah, and and in car, cars, soccer too, soccer. yeah, so in ca- cars, like the the safety features on cars are out of this world compared to something that was even like ten years ago, right? So the the creeping safetyism, I feel like, is a huge causal factor here. And I'll bring up too. You mentioned the studies of the liberals and conservatives. Yeah. Well, was that United States? Yeah, I'm very curious to see in Canada because they're so the same. You know what I mean? Like the liberals and conservatives, kind of in yeah. their thinking process. I wonder if there's such a big gap. Well, I, I, I think I can perfectly say who it was that I'm, I'm just pulling it up right now because I, I did it. I'm going to put it in the introduction. <laughs> but uh, there was, 
There was a Meru Group poll that was released in January of 2022. I don't know if you remember this, but they found 27% of Canadians wanted the unvaccinated jail. <laughs> yeah. That's what they, they wanted us in prison. Wait, how, how many? 27%. So, <laughs> so that's, again, they can't get there without media propaganda, right? They can't. So, so again, and this that ties into another thing that I wanted to kind of say is another causal factor. I very much adopted the idea of, and I, I can't stand the philosopher himself, Plato, but he had a couple of good ideas, but I can't stand him generally. But um, it's his big the, the, yeah, the philosopher kings. I think that a huge part of like what you're talking about with the media and what you wrote about in your book a lot is them seeing themselves as the philosopher kings who need to guide the average person because they have such disdain for the average person's intelligence and their health. I think they think the average person is like someone at a, you know, a football game that's yelling and screaming drunk and they're fat. And, you know, I think that's who they think the average person is so that they had to actually, what do you make of that? That the philosopher kings, they look down on us so much that that was a huge causal factor as to why things unfurled the way they did. 100%. I don't know too much about the Philosopher Kings, but that really ties into Frederick. Okay. Because uh, he's the kind of the first person I read about, like Frederick Mbasti, yeah? Yeah. He's the first person I wrote, and he wrote about that too, where it's like the, he called them the socialists, but it's the people who think they're like made out of fine clay, you know, yeah. like who think they're above everyone else and who all, and who look down on them and feel like they need to be herded, you know, like people at its original state are very passive and in, 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 and uh, inert, right? So they have to move them towards the direction that they know is best for them. Yeah. I think it's huge. I think in Canada, that's the, I think people have been indoctrinated to exactly, to exactly abide by the philosopher kings. Like I, 100%. Okay, cool. Um, Unfortunately. Another part of this I feel like was huge because... Uh, the state is a self-propagating organization. Uh, it's very much interested in, in preserving its power, its influence, and um, maintaining all of its institutions. So I feel like a part of this, too, to give them some credit, I guess, is they were very concerned, like absurdly concerned about the healthcare system. The ones that they underfunded, like I, I hate socialized healthcare. I but, hate it now. I grew to hate it. Yeah, I, I, I didn't care much about it before. I was just kind of like, uh, it's, it's the cost of living in Canada, right? Like I never used the goddamn thing. The cost thing, of but, uh, civilization. Yeah, yeah. Sake. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> I guess to their credit, to some degree, they were concerned about the implosion of the healthcare system. And that was a huge rationale for what they did because they were just trying to, you know, let's give them the benefit of the doubt, even though they don't deserve it. We know they don't, but let's pretend that they they deserved, or sorry, we deserve to be able to access healthcare because we pay for it. And they're trying their best to protect it by making everyone get these jobs. So do you think that there was an aspect of self-preservation of their institutions that was involved in this? I would say so. I think it's um, 
like with the healthcare thing, I even mentioned the book where exactly to stop the healthcare from reaching over capacity. Let's lock down and do everything in our power. And while I think a lot of them were bad actors, a lot of it was well-intentioned totalitarian, you know, like it was well-intentioned. Like they really, like they grew up their whole lives, right? On the system to which everyone shares one friggin' hospital. And then like, we have to make sure there's a certain amount of rooms for all, for each friggin' and like it, like it makes no sense really, yeah. but the people are just being grown up to sort of see the healthcare system as this like functional communistic thing that we have to preserve at all costs. It's the golden goose, for sure, yeah. And so, like, people locked down for that. Like, that's the reason they did. Like, I think if there was no socialized healthcare, I don't think, I think it would be like Florida and Texas where they kind of, where they did lockdowns, but it was very, I think it wasn't as bad because people don't really have that conception that there was, like, this, um, this collective health that we have to preserve yeah. yeah 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 so i think it's a huge deal and i think that's part of why we should abolish it because it's like this will happen again right like there'll be a virus yeah. if it's actual or not and it will kind of screw up the healthcare system quote unquote and people will do the same thing again like it will be like a cycle yeah and again like i can't understand how people don't have foresight on these kinds of things because if we're talking about you know, if we're talking about not letting people get health, like remember Quebec floated that thing of having a health tax, right? If you didn't get vaccinated. And yeah, and there was people openly on the media every night on CBC saying we shouldn't let the unvaccinated get health care, right? They're being selfish and, and evil, right? Um, but if we're following this natural line of thought, uh, why don't we ban smokers from the hospitals? Why don't we ban the obese like, what? Well, why we even bother allowing uh, McDonald's to exist or, or Jack Daniels to sell its products in government stores? And I would add, too, like, the fact that the hospitals are government-run, it sort of explains, like, um, like only in government-run um, services do people get blamed for wanting it, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, like, that was a great point from your book, Yeah, actually. like, let's say I want to go buy bread, right? Like, they want to give me bread. Like, here, have yeah. all the bread you want. Like, I'm so happy you want bread. Yeah. If you go in a hospital because, you know, you just don't feel one, you want, like, you know, some guy to help you, you get better over, like, oh, my God, you're so selfish for wanting to get help. It just made no it, sense. It's, yeah. like, so backwards. Yeah, yeah, and, I know, and you're forced to pay for it. This thing you're forced to pay for yeah, and you shouldn't even access it. Yeah, like, it's so bizarre. <laughs> um, another kind of element uh, that I feel like explains the behavior uh, of politicians especially was just, in, in, it's just human cowardice in the face of a global campaign where unless you were, like, unless you had the balls of a Ron DeSantis, you were scared. To stand up to any, the, the World Health Organization, the CDC, Fauci and all his crooks. And, you know, I can, to some degree, do, do you kind of let them off the hook for that or not? Because there was this huge propaganda campaign. And, like, if you didn't join in, they made it very obvious that they were going to, like, try and crucify you. Because it was a mm, crusade, right? It's just, like, just picture these horsemen just going through, and whoever's in the way gets dead. You get yep. trampled, your neck gets... That's what happened in Ottawa, right? Like yep. In the convoy, right? The horses they brought. Yeah. So it's like kind of, I guess it's actually happened. Yeah. But I, like, I've... 
Like, I don't feel bad, especially for the politicians who, like, know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, they go into politics. They know the nature of it. Yeah. And it's really, like, like, obviously, there's no incentive, actually, for you to actually do well. But, I mean, they, sh- they should know that. I don't know. You know, like, uh, it's tough. <laughs> I, I say I would still, like, let's say, you know, we're doing, like, a um, public execution. They, they still go up, but I, like, I'm, like, it's okay, you know. Like, like I give them a pat okay. on the back and, like, <laughs> sorry, but you, just, you still have to go. Just chill. <laughs> yeah, I just... <laughs> But I don't like hate them. There's not like a ritual. Like I, like my hatred is for the, it, like it is for the cowards because I hate cowardice, especially going through this. Yeah, it's like I felt like wow, P, just stand the fuck up. Like it's not that hard. But I know oh, the politicians. My, my, my trip, my my my, my trip, my yeah, job. Yeah, going to a concert. I'm like, dude, like yeah. come on, you're like five years old. I, it's tough, but I definitely, I, I would say my hatred is for people who knew what they were doing and were virtual against it. Like, they really, like, I, like, especially for the jabs, for people who took it because they had to for work, I don't hate, and there's no hatred for me to that. Like, I feel bad for them. Like, I hate the people who, who made them do it and knew that they were doing it and they liked it. You know, they, they liked the power they had. Yeah. Those are, like, the scary people. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because I remember someone saying, I, I think I read it on Twitter, actually. It was like, uh, there's three groups of people. There's the people that didn't get the jab and never will, me and you. Yeah. There's people who got every jab and will continue getting every jab forever. And then there's the people who were forced to do it. And that is the only group that's growing because yeah. they're the ones that were forced yeah. to do it and they'll never do it again. Because I feel like a lot of people feel, they feel hoodwinked by this whole thing especially like we were just mentioning earlier in this episode, they seem to be backtracking on just about everything at this point. I don't know. And this is interesting enough. I wanted to get your take on this because you wrote the book about it. They're not backtracking on the passport. They're backtracking on everything else. Why do you think that they're they're like, do you think they'll cling to this as long as possible? Or do you think they'll ever be forced to backtrack on it? Yeah, I don't think so. Like, I think, Two things I think are happening. One, they're pretending it never happened. So then when it happens again, it's like, oh, cool, it happens again. And second, I think they're saying that it's a good thing for a certain amount of time. I think they're trying to get vaccine passports. It's like a temporary public health thing, you know? It's like, let's say, you know, there's like a virus that comes again and it's an endemic or pandemic, whatever the hell the words are. We'll bring vaccine passports for a certain amount of time. It will be temporary. Yeah. I think that's what they're going to cling on, that it's a very good temporary solution that's better than lockdowns, you know? Okay. They might actually go, they like, it's like, like, I feel like the lockdowns, I don't know if, like, I feel like no one likes lockdowns, I think, still. I don't know if anyone has, like, oh, I wish I went back on it. I don't know. I don't think there's many people supporting them. Yeah, I, so I think vaccine passports will be the thing that's, like, we would rather do vaccine passports than lockdowns next time. So I think it's being implicitly normalized, but I don't know what they're teaching in the schools, right? I think that's going to be a big part. Like, how do they talk about this time, you know? Especially in in, in medicine schools, right? Yeah, and that's why I also wrote the book, right? It's like, like how are they going to talk about the uh, the events that happened from 2020 to 2022? Okay. Yeah, because I have always, and again, I don't care if this sounds somewhat conspiratorial or whatnot, I'm extremely skeptical of any sort of slippery slope 
that like this, that government can throw down. And they did hard with the vaccine passport and digitizing it, especially because I have noticed this slow creep towards digital identification in general, that, that it seems like they're going to try and merge that with medical records at some point. Right. They're already doing it, right? I think the Ontario Duck Ford did that Ontario passport. And yeah, you could add vaccines to it. Oh, no, I, I knew. You're right. Absolutely. I wrote about that. I wrote a piece for uh, Big League Politics last oh. year about, about the digital IDs in Ontario. Yeah, they got released in October of 2022. Have people actually gone to Well, get that's it? the thing. Is I, 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 know <laughs> like, what I you won't mean. even, like, I don't even know about it. Yeah, you, you can sign up for it if you want. But again, like, there's, there's a difference between, like, we've, we they cross so many red lines during the pandemic on this very topic. There's what you subscribe to on your own, and then there's what they coerce you into doing. And it's just a matter of time before they start coercing you yeah, into it's this. Slippery slope into it. Yeah, because there's that. There's there's like you said, Ontario uh, Trudeau in coordination with the WEF, and I don't care if anyone hates me saying that, but it's true. You can very easily Google it. They're working with WEF partners to get digital identifications standardized thing across Canada and uh, the Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu he's talked a lot about I don't know if you've seen his interview on the Daily Wire with Jordan Peterson he was quite proud he was quite proud to say that you know he went right to Pfizer and he went right to Pfizer and said we're, we're gonna we're gonna be your test lab we have a medical a digital ID medical sorry digital medical records in Israel and we are more than willing to share all the data we get after we give people these shots. So, and they, I think they were one of the most vaxxed countries in the world, right? But uh, and then you see what Rishi Sunak is doing on the other end of the spectrum with the cent- in, with the central bank digital currencies. All these digital things seem to be lining up and going in one direction at this point. And this seem, these passports seem like they they. It's, it's like that thing Rahm Emanuel said, you never let a good crisis go to waste, right? So they saw an opportunity to kind of push something that they're going to do anyway, but this can help, like you said, normalize it. Yeah. I, yeah, I, that, and I think, too, the other normalization was with vaccine passports, like not vaccine passports, they were the yellow cards. Yes. Like all that is slippery slopes, right? And even school mandates for the jabs and just having to show your documentation and having the government say that you have to. It's like, it will keep getting worse, right? So what's happening now is like, obviously you can see that coming in like the 60s. Yeah. But it's like, it's just going to keep going until something's done about like, you know, all, all the, the role the government has in your life. Like it needs... Well, well, certain people saw keep all, getting worse. All this Huxley saw it in the twenties, right? Brave new world, right? So, <laughs> yeah, that, I, I just imagine if he was alive today. I just like, and that's the funny thing to me too. Even seeing people like Rothbard and Huxley and Orwell, yeah. just imagining them if they were alive now, how would they like? Because it was really bad in like twenty twenty one. Like it was like you literally felt like you were in a novel. Like I, I felt like I was in a comedy. Like I was like. Holy shit, I can't go to my nearby restaurant. Yeah. I go to the mall where I've been at since I was a kid. Yeah. And I can walk to the friggin' store, but there's a there's a the, there's a wall around the cafeteria. So I can order food. I just can't go in and sit. Yeah. And it was security guards standing. And I'm like, well, am I in a friggin' dystopian? Like Jesus. That's a great way to describe it because I remember I was like I I uh 
I was in the LCBO, which for any American listeners, that is the state-sponsored alcohol distributor in Canada. If you want to drink alcohol, you got to buy it from the government of all goddamn places, right? So I was in the LCBO, and this is my must have been early, no, sorry, late 2022, and there's those huge lineups because we all had to be six feet apart, and at this announcement came over the PA that said, uh, goggles on, goggles on. And then all the cashiers stopped what they were doing, t- t- put their things down, picked up goggles out from under the shelf, put them on. And I'm like, what is the? This is some dystopian fucked up shit. What, what did I just see? And you started to laugh. It was just yeah. so comedic. It was, well, I got, it was scared. I was scared a bit at the beginning because I was like, I'm like, I know where this goes. Th- yeah. This goes in evil places really quick. When you start demonizing and dehumanizing groups of people mm-hmm. because of some uh, artificial uh, component to their life, like you're just begging for some sort of authoritarian uh, crimes to happen. It, it, it's almost inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of wanted to ask you about, let, let's play pretend and do an alternate reality, okay? Let's pretend that in 2019, Andrew Scheer, he won the prime ministership over Trudeau and Trump won his second re-election. Awesome. How do people react to the Vax passes if it's a right North American governance structure as opposed to a leftist one? That's a really good question. I it's fascinating to think that it would that they would be against it. Yeah. Like the, it's like it's kind of like a black fill almost. It's like such a matrix. Yeah. You know, it's like for sure if Andrew Sh- I didn't even know that guy too much, but I know Trump. Like yeah. I know if he went in, because I know even in the beginning, they'll go, it's like the Trump vaccine. I'm not going to take the Trump jab. Harris was saying that most popular, right? Yeah. So it really just shows you what a facade it is. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, it's like, ah, it's a, the more I think about it, the more black people I get, because these people think they're like anti-establishment. Yeah. You know, like they think, but like, if it's a government that he says he's a liberal and he looks good and he looks attractive. And he like flows his hair nice and he smiles at you. It's like that you love him. But the moment he's like right wing or he, yeah. and it's like, oh, it's the government. You, you just described Gavin Newsom first. And then, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah he, and it's fine. Now where I'm like sort of rep pilled and I look at them now and I look at Gavin and Trudeau, I'm like, geez, these guys are psychopathic criminals. Yes. Like they're psychopaths. They, yeah. they smile fake. Yeah. Their eyes, it just, it's just so fake. And yet I can't understand why they don't see it anymore. Like, you know, the people on the left, I'm like, how do you not see it? Yeah, the calculated reactions. Like, I remember when he was ca- when Trudeau was campaigning in the last election, he stopped in Welland, actually, which is close by here, right? And uh, people were throwing rocks, like those pebbles at him. They made it out to be like it was boulders being thrown at him, right? But it was pebbles being thrown at him. And he still, he went to his bus, waving at the crowd, smi- big smiles while, while pebbles are bouncing off of his teeth, right? Like... You just com- you're it's right. Just complete a, psychopathy and narcissism. Like they right? think they're monarchs, you know. Yeah. They think they're the, the king, Yeah. Like you know, they're like, oh, you know, the people who are broken, poor, because they see you as a peasant, right? They just see you as a peasant. Yeah. And it's just it's just sad. No one's waking up enough. Not too many people. But I think a big thing, which I think is good between all this, a lot of the red pilling going on you know mm-hmm. like a lot of people who are waking up who would not have like me i think it would maybe take me a while but i don't really know like, i feel like the snap that happened just made me think the way i never thought really that's what i, I, I think it's really good to have 
Absolutely. There, there is a silver lining to it where, yeah, you do kind of like wake up from a childish naivete about what this really is. Right. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, I was like a happy go lucky, like Gary Johnson libertarian before. And then during the pandemic, like I'm this close to putting a black flag outside my house. Right. And start fucking bombing people. Yeah. (laughs) If I did that, they'd throw fire at me like my like my condo would be burned down. Took a lot of old people in my place, too. And all of them wore masks in the elevators. I'd go in and I would have no mask on. And then this one woman, I remember like. Sort of like long blonde hair, something gray, and she had a mask on, like black and yeah. black sun. Like she was like the Matrix, like an agent. And like I thought I was gonna die that day. COVID ninja. Yeah, she yeah. Was like literally the Matrix, like the agent Smith. What the hell is that dude's name? Is like black goggles or gloves or um, glasses, mask and black gloves. Like I thought I was, and she just stared at me. Because yeah. I had no mask on, and it said mask, and she she looked at the signs like it says that you have to wear a mask. Like I'm not doing it. Yeah. And she's like, you you have to. And at one point, I'm like, and then she came to her floor, and I'm like, just get the fuck out. Like, You're, just get oh, the man, fuck out is, of the elevator. Also, I'm like, I'm going to get upset. That was one of the very much, so many times. yes, very much overlooked unintended consequence of all of these different things was that it emboldened a lot of petty tyrants. Oh, these these losers at like a grocery <laughs> store that, can you pull your mask up, sir? <laughs> They, like, this is really what you want to tell people in your, like, in your life. This is what you're up to? What, what do you get out of that? What, what's wrong with you? But yeah, it, it gave people a lot of strange ideas about what they could do to other people. Yeah. And I had a family member, too, who says that their friend or something that they have, like, like um, so their friend's father liked to go out on the streets and find people who don't have masks and tell them to wear masks. Like, it, it was exciting. <laughs> it was a hobby for them, right? Like, yeah. yeah. It's like a, it's like a black like that's just the black pill like Jesus yeah. what's the state of humanity that is yeah that is a dark, a dark <laughs> part of humanity if any kind of power you give someone they're gonna abuse it right yeah especially like, with the passports I think that's like a good um subject too where it just gave people a sense of entitlement you know like they sat in the restaurants well, well I had to sit on in my car and eat my pad thai like I had to yeah. sit there and then they get to enjoy it I think people at one point for the passports if you had the job you can sit inside. And if you can, you have to sit outside. Yes, I remember that. And it was like winter, I think. I'm yeah. like, geez, like, it's like, it's such a sep. it's like such an entitlement issue. It's like, they, they like it. Yeah. I think that's a big part why people enjoy the passports. It's like, they feel like I'm superior to you. I'm smarter and I get more m- m- privileges and perks. It's the, it's the star-bellied sneeches, right? Like the Dr. Seuss book, right? <laughs> yeah. They get to, they get to congregate together and talk about how awesome <laughs> they are, right? Hey, everyone. I just wanted to take a quick break from this episode to remind you that if you haven't already, to head to your podcast app and rate, review, and subscribe to Smoke-Filled Rooms. Everything you do contributes to the success of the show, and thank you in advance for anything you say. Cheers. Okay, so the next part of this conversation I wanted to get to was about the Freedom Convoy, and that's that the connection of that to the vaccine passports. Now, again, for anyone that doesn't remember, these started in late January 2022, and they were broken up on, what, the third week of February? Yeah, it like a, it was almost a month. Thing. Yeah, so during that time, the truckers convened in Ottawa, they blocked off the streets, they had bouncy castles, and if you listen to CBC, they were trying to overthrow the government as well, right? I was. So, <laughs> But you were you were actually there. I mean, that hold on. I like you can explain that a bit. That'd be cool. I didn't actually get to. I had to work 
mostly, but I did go to the the freedom rallies that uh, were being held at Queen's Park in Toronto. Uh, so I went up to two of those, and that was very similar, it seemed like. And, like, Maxime Bernier was there, and uh, Randy Hillier was there, and, and uh, what's her name? Doc, Dr. Julie... Pinesi, yeah, Pinesi. She was there, She's so cool. yeah, that was that was awesome to to go down there. And that was actually the very first time, even though I had ran for office and I've been involved in politics, studying it and this and that. That was the first time I actually went to a protest in my whole life, and it yeah. felt like it felt em- empowering to be around other people that actually you didn't have to watch what you said, and and you all had the same energy of like we're doing this for the freedom, for liberty, which. So if you can kind of explain, like, when did you go to the Freedom Convoy? Yeah, so I went on the first week and it happened, okay. which was funny because okay. we were, yeah, it was just, it was, I think, in January. The passports have come in for like three, four months already, right? Yeah. And it's like, holy shit. Like, and I think it was, I think at this time, I think they had like a, they had a deadline that I think they extended. And then they didn't even say when it was, when it was going to end. Yeah. So the vaccine passports were like indefinite at that point. Yes. Like you didn't even, it's like, so this is going to be forever? Like, geez, like, holy crap. Like if this is forever, we have to do something. Yeah. So, and then uh, we heard about the convoy stuff. We didn't know about the, um, like the, uh, the people who organized it. I had no idea who the hell they were. I didn't really care. Yeah. So me and my family went there and it was like, wow. Definitely for, for, for the for the the convoy yeah. or for or for something. Okay, so you went for there the convoy specifically for it. Okay, you yeah. weren't just happened to be there. Okay, no, right. no, I can't. I uh, drove from uh, Richmond Hill, so it's like three, four, four hours, five hours. Yeah, and oh my god, I, we didn't know what to expect. Like I, I had no idea, and we just like we parked somewhere. Yeah, we had our anonymous masks. Oh nice, masks. <laughs> the guy. And we scared the shit of people. Yeah. yeah, especially on the street. They thought I was like purged. They thought I was like purge night because like we were walking through and i don't know what to expect because it cut but also it was like negative 30 so the mask actually kind of helped because it was so cold yeah Yeah, like the like the wind on my face yeah and then we walked in and then it was like a hundred freaking cars like thousands of cars i'm like what the hell's going on if it was a honking it's crazy and i felt like i was in a movie like i was like it was so cool i was like so happy and i was and it really was like yeah like i'd see people i'd take my thing off i'd smile i'd like high five small kids Like, you know, we smile at each other. It was, like, the most amazing experience in my life. What part of the book were... What stage was the book at when you went? Question. It was January 2022, so probably halfway through. Okay, so did so this give you an writing. extra boost? Yeah, to like... I was definitely, I was definitely a good, like, a uh, white pill. It was a white pill. Because nice. I went in, and it was the first time I even talked to people in, like, two years. Like, I didn't even talk to him except for my family. Mm-hmm. And seeing no one wear masks, seeing no one do this shit, it felt like it was normal again. Like, wow, like, this is how human beings interact with each other, right? And it was funny. I mean, there's a lot of funny stories that happened in that place. But one of the really funny things was that it was such a good time. And then I'd go online. I'd see, like, some woman crying online about how she can't go outside now. She feels too safe for women outside. Like, you should. And there's so many moms out there. And, like, it was awesome. And people crying about it and the way they were and the way the media was portraying it to them, it was like complete different world. 
Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I do want to give a quick shout out to Rupa Supramanya. Remember, she was writing for the National Post at the time. And she eventually went on to go join True North recently. But oh, no. she was, uh, she's, like you said, there was all this propaganda about it's a dangerous place and people are getting beaten up and there's <laughs> crimes. Like, no, like this is an Indian immigrant woman, writer for the National Post, economist, high, like part of the blue check crowd who initially supported the vaccine mandates, but she went down on the street because she kept seeing these things on her news feed, and she was like, I'm going to go actually investigate this. And she actually documented how fun, how... Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah look up her, Rupa Supermania. Super, I can never say her name properly, damn it. But, can, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just wanted to shout out her work because it was very, very helpful when... The mainstream media was going hard in the paint on trying to demonize it. She was the exact opposite uh, perspective, and she was the exact person who should have been allegedly scared of the whole thing, right? Yeah. These racist truckers, right? So, sorry, I interrupted your story a bit. Can you tell? Can you tell more about what 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 uh, what you saw down there? So I know I'm gonna, I know another funny story too that happened is that we went to the hotel, right? It was a Friday or the Saturday night. And we, you know, we went there from morning to night. Like, my legs, I think, haven't recovered. Yeah. Like, the cold. I think my hairs, like, went in. I don't know what the hell happened. I think I got, like, just, like, frozen burns or something. Because I wasn't really dressed. What the hell's going on? I just went there. Like, it's going to be a cool time. It was negative 30. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. And the whole day, we go in the morning. We stay there. We walk. We chant cool marches they do. Yeah. And it was really like a camp. It was like a camp, which was really cool. Yeah. They like went from one end of the street onto the other end of the street. Okay. And there were no cars going through. And you can just like walk as if it's like a ghost town. Like it yeah, was yeah. really fun. Yeah. No one got hurt. Nothing happened. Yeah. It was just a, it was like what they, what they deserved, you know, like they talked about actions of consequences. If you know, you, you don't get the job, yeah. blah, blah, blah. This was the consequence of getting people inside their homes for two years and treating them like shit. Because yeah. they're going to come out and they're going to scream. Yeah. And so it was such a cathartic experience. Mm -hmm. But so I think it was a Saturday night. We went to the hotel. And at this point, we're sort of really red-pilled, really white pill. Like, okay, like, like now it's done. Like, that's it. No more. Yeah. So we didn't have our masks in the hotel. Walked to the... And we booked it online. And the woman there who was, like, my age, had her, like, mask on. And she's like, oh, you have to wear a mask. Like, you're not allowed to come in here without a mask. So, like, we booked online. We just want to go to our rooms. It's, like, late. It's, like, 1030 at night. She's like, no. I'm like, Jesus. And then she goes, calls her manager. It was, like, a five-foot-five Karen. Like, I think her name was Karen. She walked in, and it was a heated, like, she was like, you have to get the mask or I'm going to call the cops. And we're like, no, we just want to get our rooms. Like, please. Like, no, you have to get it. Like, no, we're not getting it. And it was like, it was like a spat back and forth. And yeah. it was just, and I saw the girl who was about my age, like 23 at that time. And yeah. she just like was looking down like a coward. And oh my God. And so we're like, okay, call the cops. So like, fine, call the police. What are they going to do? Oh, and then one more point, which was interesting, which was sort of like a red pill for me, yeah. is that she said it's pri mm, private, mm, private property. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's private property. So why are you following government mandate if it's private property? She's like, oh, it is. <laughs> and then she's like, and that's it. It was like a brain for us. Like, oh, 
I guess the, it's yeah, not private property. The NPC can't compete. Yeah, like that, there's right? no private property really yeah. in Canada. Like, it's so like you know, it's so it's it's kind of like you have property until the government says it's mine, kind yeah. of thing, you know. Yeah. So I think that was a red pill for her, hopefully, because I'm like, if it's private property, then why, why you? you yeah, then why are you telling me it's a mandate or bylaw? Just say you want masks because you want it, not because it's a government thing. Yeah. So yeah, she's, we said call the police. So we went, went to go sit down at 1030 at night, tired from walking all day in the convoy, you know, like screaming and ha- having a good time. Yeah. And the cops never came. Like, never, I don't think she called. She just ran inside and like hid. So like, okay, let's just go to the, uh, and it's literally, I think it's the, I don't remember what hotel. I don't really want to maybe say the name, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I did leave a review, which is funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there was two hotels side by side. So we're like, okay, fuck you guys. So we go to the other hotel, and he's a nice guy. And then he lets us through, and yeah. we go and sleep there. Afterwards, I think they, I think they got in trouble. So and then they started to enforce the masking after the auto convoy, because oh, they God. like flooded hotels. And then the news was like, oh my God, you know, they're like endangering hotels, and they're forcing them yeah. to give them their business. They probably, they probably wouldn't have if the heat wasn't on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was funny to see that. It was so it made me think. It's like that's competition, you know, kind of thing, mm-hmm. where it's like. There's like two hotels. One says no. I go to the other one and I get good, you know, I get someone who actually wants my money. Yeah. It's like really bizarre experience there, but it really made sense. And it's kind of like that's why we're protesting, right? Yeah. So it was kind of very fitting. So that was just one that really stuck out. That was like a a red pilling moment for me too. Um, But other than that, it was just such a great time. I'm trying to think of any other stuff that happened. I, I know my favorite part was you would go throughout the whole day, just whatever, walking, trying to get food. And then there'd be a big truck saying Trudeau. I don't know if you saw the video. And people would just, and then the, then there's like a guy with like a Bluetooth speaker and there's just like a club. It's like a club. Yeah. So you go and you just chant and you jump. It's literally like a club. Yeah, and there's like yeah, old, yeah. old people there young. It was such a fun time. Yeah. It, so I felt like I was in like a resort almost for a little okay. bit. It was like a very cool it's such a unique experience. I feel like I feel bad for people who were against it. Yeah. Because they're going to, they, it's like you were against something so, so, so monumental. And something ins- that was globally inspiring. That was the cool it, it, it gave a lot of people hope. Like they, and out of all the people, it, again, it was the working man kind of that came through and it did inspire other rallies and other movements in other countries, not nearly as successful. I, am conflicted about what it did. I completely agree with everything that they did. I, I think it was awesome. I, I love a good middle finger at the state. Like, that's that's awesome. But on the other hand, I do wonder if Trudeau would have dropped the vaccine mandates and the passports sooner if it hadn't happened. Because he did give up on it eventually. Mm-hmm. And actually, to the, I believe to this day, you still cannot go to the United States, right? So would Trudeau have given up on this thing even quicker if the truckers didn't kind of provoke him? Because he did go overboard with the Emergencies Act. He did, like, he did have rhetoric for those months after of, like, not backing down. So I'm glad do- that happened, the emergency thing, because it really showed what the government was, you know? Yeah. Like, it yeah, sort of yeah. played their hands, which I'm glad. But I think I, I like I don't know how much it did politics wise in yeah. terms of actual law and legislation. Yeah. In my view, is more a cultural shift. Okay. Like it really started a cultural shift. I think where it was really cool too because you saw people there who were from Quebec and and uh, from Alberta, 
And it was like they they were talking how it's like the first time that someone from Quebec and from Alberta talked and like we're friends. Yeah. So it really brought people together from province because people came from, from all over, right? Yeah. So I think it really brought people together. And even though there were conflicting messages where some people came for this, some people came for this, yeah. I came for like the government, but not everyone really did, right? Some of it were only mandates, yeah. some of it were vaccines, some of it was whatever. But Some were still lockdowns too, right? Yeah, because yeah. I think we we were locked down at that point in Ontario. We were. It was hilarious. They cry about. Uh, it just makes me always get so upset. They cry about how the auto convoy came and they were like locked in their homes. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you had a lockdown at the time we went. <laughs> it just made me. I was like, geez. I was like, I can't go outside to go restaurant. Like you couldn't even go. It was not allowed. Yeah. And they got upset that we went in the mall and can um because we. Because on, on the Friday or the Monday, because it was so cold, so a lot of the moms who had kids, mm-hmm. you know, little kids, like in, in, infants too, they went in the mall because it was so cold. And it was such an awesome experience, just a, a horde of just like people coming into the mall with no mask and just like chanting and, you know, just having a good time. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll go to the cafeteria and like eat and like stay there and like warm up. Yeah. It was really awesome. And the people there were great. The people who, um like the food people, because they got, you know, they got money, right? Like it was... A good business um, for them. Yeah. And then the next day, the government told the mall to shut down. I don't know if the mall did it on, on its own, but on Sunday, I think, yeah, you couldn't go in the mall. It was closed. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, like you're going to make us a stay here for like the entire day. And like, why are we being punished for like giving people money so we can eat? I don't know. It was just so bizarre what the government did. But I think it was good that they played all their hands. Okay. I, I see. Yeah, it did. They put everything down on the table. They showed you what they were willing to do and that it, it could get, they, they're not afraid to get really ugly with stuff if they have to. Like the seizing of the bank accounts, especially, mm. that was especially egregious that if you don't agree with the government, they're going to take away your money. They're going to audit you. They're like, this is, this is beyond anything we've ever seen. That was, I think, literally unprecedented unless you were some sort of convicted drug trafficker, right? I think that's the only other time they may have done something like this. Yeah, I think so. Even the GoFundMe too. I think it's one of the first times that the government told a company like GoFundMe that you can't, like this this p- protest is a is a d- d- domestic. Uh, what do they call it? Domestic terrorism. Yeah, yeah. Like they, they called yeah. you like domestic terrorists. Yeah, I think that was unprecedented. And it's just it was just so funny to, to see how much of an amazing experience it was, and yet. Seeing that some people still live in a completely different world that of what, what happened. And I wonder in 50 years, what's going to be remembered more? Yeah, it, it will be interesting to see who writes that history book. And that's another awesome point of what, why you wrote yours, to get the, the actual story of it, what, what happened. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask you, too, was an interesting kind of thing that popped up over the last few months that I, I don't have, I, I'll put the, I'll look up the link and I'll put it in the show notes, but I found a couple articles and studies showing that since the institution of the vaccine passports, um, this is leading to overall less people getting their children vaccinated. Like this heavy handedness has actually had the inverse effect where there's a lot more people that are distrustful of what they are doing and what their products are. So did you did you think about that topic at all? Have you broached it? 
That's interesting. I, at the time, a little bit, but it sort of made sense. Like they were going to push so hard. It makes sense that people were going to push back. And I'm kind of glad that they're starting question things, Mm -hmm. especially question things that never did. Right. Like even um, like with the jabs um, in terms of uh, the conversations I had about how you had to get in school. So you had to get in now. It's like not a big deal. So I think to question just the idea that you're sort of forced to get certain things and then you should maybe have a choice in them, yeah. I think is good. Um, in terms of the actual statistics of that, I never really thought too much of it, but it is interesting and in how they're freaking out now, which is kind of funny. I know, <laughs> but it's, it's, I just, I bring that up because you kind of touched upon it and I think it was near the beginning of your book. Um, I'm not going to say the, the slur that usually gets attached to it, but let's say that you present some arguments for vaccine skepticism. So can you kind of lay that out a little bit for us? Well, you, uh, you, I don't mean the COVID jabs. I'm talking about what, what people would refer to as the traditional ones, your polios, your MMRs, your rubellas. Mm-hmm. So what's my thoughts on them? Or yeah. what's the thoughts on... on, on Yeah, what's your thoughts on the traditional vaccines? Because it seems like you kind of weighed into it at one point and you're kind of raising questions of like, do we even need these? Or, All right. Yeah. So I think, I mean, what I really went into was the history of them a little bit yeah. um, in terms of the subject to, I think what's really under talked about is the way people view vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, not in, ter- like in terms of how we talked at the very beginning, how it's not even a corporate product, right? It's not like a pharmaceutical product. Yeah. It's like a divine chalice that you drink and you become a god. It's like, yeah. I'm immune to the world and I'm like, uh, and I'm so superior. Yeah. And I feel like that's a very, I think that's partly to blame for what happened, but I think it's a really, it's sort of like a matrix. And I think it stems from um, the way that you're taught on how things like smallpox did and polio. Yeah. And not so much what the vaccines did, but a lot of it is the mandate. It's like, we need to mandate now because we mandated smallpox and polio and measles and now that's gone. And so the mandates worked. I think a lot of it is like you're missing correlations yeah. and you're playing too much into the government's role into it. And I think, I think, I think, I think, I think that's what should be really tackled. Okay. It's just the idea, yeah, is the idea that no matter how great something is, it should never be forced upon you, no matter what. I agree. And I think that's the hard thing to, for them to grasp. It's like, if it's so good, why not force it? Like, yeah, that the, like you said, it gets back to the the complete absence of instruction when it comes to thinking about yourself as a, as a free individual that has intrinsic unalienable rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't think like that, especially here. People don't think like that. Like, like our founding motto for Canada is peace, order, and good government. Right? I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh God! It makes actually it all makes sense now. Yeah. And, <laughs> there's no freedom in that, is there? But it, you know what? You brought up a good point, too, because I remember hearing people, I, I'd be interested to hear if they still think this today, but that there were people that I knew in real life who were saying things like, well, if everyone just got vaccinated, this would be done. And I, you try and tell them, like, there's no evidence that it stops the transmission. We, you know, why are people still getting sick if they had the shot? And like, oh, well, that's because there's new variants. You know, if everyone just got the newest shot all the time, then we wouldn't have it. And like that, that you see why that fails, right? So, yeah, no, I um, I think it's I don't know, it's just a it's sort of like a hard thing to talk to someone about because they just can't grasp how you'll even refuse a jab yeah. or a vaccine, just in general. Like, how could you refuse it? I think in Canada, people are grown up to sort of like 
you you take this if if you, you if uh, if uh, that's what you're told to, right? Yeah. Like no matter what the jab is, HPV. I don't know. It's like a, like a thousand of them, right? I think in school you go with like a hundred. I don't even know. Yeah. But I feel like you just go through your whole life just taking it like you're a cow, where it's like you just walk and then you get the shot. It's sort of like you, you're just in a line. Like, I, I feel like there's just a culture around it that no one actually can talk about it openly without being called anti-vax, anti-blah, blah, blah. blah, I, blah. Referring to, yeah. I think that's a huge part of it, yeah. where you just can't even talk about it without being scared of being, uh, being witch-hunted. Yeah. I mean, would you be, I know, if you think about it in, the, in a different way, like, would you have been considered, like, anti-science if you were like, I think these opioids are probably bad for people in the long run? Well, no, it's a doctor. It's a medical product. These trustworthy companies gave it to us, right? Like, that doesn't make you anti-opioid, right? So, but yeah, it gets attached to this one subject for some specific, I, like, is it, be, is it be, thing. like, you, I think you kind of laid out, they have this seemingly good track record with it so it presents the illusion that it was the vaccine when it could have possibly been other factors as well yeah i i know an interesting thing is with the smallpox specifically looking at britain right yeah like with the stats only people know that much of the british population at that time was uh, not vaccinated uh, against i think it was smallpox and the and the smallpox uh, epidemics or um the statistics really went down to the whole world at the same time why exactly i not something i really care about too much that's not something i really want to focus on yeah. but it was it's very interesting to also see the history of the way people people protested uh vaccines back then too not vaccines but the mandates of them sure and it's just cool to see that it's not a new phenomenon kind of thing and people i mean you're not taught this in like grade six like health class yeah. like never you're taught like it's a vaccine it's amazing if you don't take it it's child abuse it's basically like the three tenets of like life it's yeah. like you know having good food good water and vaccinate so yeah, it's, it's really a part of like humanity i think i think that's the issue that's what i really touched on right i think yeah. vaccines have been too infused into this idea that if you don't get it you you're not gonna live yeah, it's sort of like it's like a requirement, and you get it when you're like, I think you're born, and then you have like, and then they they really pressure you into getting it. I don't really know too much because I've never had a kid, yeah. but I hear from a lot of people. It's like you really feel like if like you don't give your son or your daughter these X amount, yeah, you'll feel like, I don't know, I don't know if you can maybe speak to that. Um, about the amount of shots that they get. Well, in terms of how I would feel, so like, <sighs> like in, here's the in, thing: in is the that healthcare system. My kids are uh, like almost twelve and fourteen at this point. So when we, when I got them vaccinated for everything else, mm-hmm. like this was back when they were like babies, like mm-hmm. under the age of three is when they get an overwhelming majority of these things, right? Um, I never really thought about it in the same way. Although it is interesting, I do remember when. My son was actually in in utero. My oldest son, um, we went to uh, we went to the medical clinic, and it was part of a like a like a mall, right mm-hmm. in Hamilton. So uh, at the exact same time, 
there was the swine flu epidemic. Mm. And we were actually going to our doctor appointment and there was a lineup of people in the mall who were waiting to get jabbed with the swine flu thing. And I, I thought about that when I was reading your book. I'm like, holy fuck, they, they were pushing it back then too. Because I remember, now I think back, I'm like, Sanjay Gupta was on CNN tracking down patient zero. And he was he, he went to the little Mexican pig farm to find it, right? And they were trying they were trying to get that off the bat, off the ground but at the same time um i remember ron paul he was very active because he was still in the congress at that point and he had just finished the presidential campaign right and uh he was going on about you know we we had a we had a a, a swine flu pandemic back in the 70s and the actually the vaccines hurt more people than the virus okay so it was interesting to, to recall oh, that how it happens always it's sort of yeah. like a reoccurring thing you don't really think about until you snap into it kind yeah of. yeah you know that that was a great trip down memory lane with your book like it triggered all those thoughts about yeah so again like at the time with my kids i didn't even think about this at all it was just like like you said like it was just that's what you do. Yeah, just you do it. Like, and like, I never, I, I'm very, like, I'm a social science guy. I don't, I don't have very much expertise at all in the, in the hard sciences, but it, I was very much in complete respect of what they did to some degree. Like I, I knew about not trusting big pharma, mm -hmm. uh, Vioxx, the opioid epidemic, right? All the uh, Champix, like all the, all the biggest lawsuits in the history of mankind have been against big pharma, right? So I knew not to trust them, but um, it was just a thing where, yeah, you have kids, you get them vaccinated because if you don't, then they're not going to be allowed to go to school, which is actually a thing that you brought up in the book. So can you explain that yeah. part of it too? Because so I, I didn't know this. Yeah, yeah. So I'll bring up, uh, yeah. So, um, so I, the interesting thing for the schooling is that when my, you know, when my friends would tell me like you got it when, when you were a kid in school because you had to, like in Canada, mm -hmm. I'm like, you didn't have to. You just like, and then I like show them like, then I would show them documents like, oh shit. Like my whole life, I had no idea. I thought I was forced. Because yeah. it's like it, they really like they, like I think the government has power to to take you out or suspend you if you don't fill out documents. Yeah. But essentially, that's all it is. Like, it makes you get documents. It makes you go to a lawyer, sign an affidavit. They give you the runarounds, right? Run around. It's yeah. like, they make you go to hell to just say, I don't want this one or all of them, whatever the hell you want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's your choice. Um, and like you said, I think you even said that if you don't comply, they kind of do a struggle session with you, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, like the Soviet Union style. Yeah, like, yeah. they, I think Trudeau talked about it a few years back where it's like, because um, you can object under like um if you ha have an allergy if yeah. it's a game religion yeah yeah or just conscientious but i think it's stupid it's just, just that you say no you say no it's it's, sorry but before we go on i always had a huge problem during the pandemic with this idea of a religious exemption because i'm sitting there going like what is the real difference between a theological opposition and a philosophical opposition it's the same thing. We're both talking about the same topics, except why does theirs, like, I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to hide my cards. I'm an atheist, right? Or, or at least a very strong skeptic of religion. And why does their fake guy in the sky get to dictate that they don't have to take this thing when I have actual liberty-based grounds based on actual philosophers that have gone into founding the nations of, of the world their ideas that's not respected but your sky god is yeah, yeah. It's very fascinating how like all, only certain 
Uh, like you have bodily autonomy as long as you have a good reason for it. Yeah, or good. I think that's bizarre. And it's yeah. like if your reason makes sense in the Constitution, right? Because I think most constitutions, like, they really em 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 emphasize re religious um, views in some yes. way. Yeah. I think it's silly. It should just be your view. You know, it doesn't matter if it's uh, fanatic. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's uh, religious yeah. or uh, so, what's it called? Wait, the S. Uh, Secular? Yeah, secular. Yeah. It doesn't really matter where it comes from. It's, you know, it's just you think this way, and so that's what it is. So I think it's unfortunate that, like, people were forced to um, go through certain exemptions and a lot of times just make things up Yeah, because they just wanted to say no, but they didn't know how to say no. It was an excuse. I know. A lot of, I, it's unfortunate. Like, they had to go through that. Like, they should just be able to say no. It's not something I'm comfortable with except thanks for asking me but it's like no you have to have a really good excuse yeah and even with the exemptions for the allergies it's i think uh, the exemptions was if you if you get your first job and you ha have an allergy you cannot get the second one but yeah. you had to actually get it first to get an allergy that's right yeah I think it was a bizarre thing it's like you cannot get it if you have a hi history of allergies to the covid yeah. Uh, shot so that was just bizarre on its own and there's like those weird cases like the one from australia the the woman's name is escaping me and i'm pretty sure that the case goes something like this where it's she can't take the covid vaccine because if she gets it she dies she has a medical problem that can't handle the chemical makeup of, of the actual vaccine uh so she can't get it so, but even though it, she, they know it will kill her, they won't let her do certain things. And I think it's even to the point now where she needs a, some sort of transplant and she's not allowed to get the transplant unless she's vaxxed. And she's telling if I get the vax, I die and you, I won't need the heart. Well, you can't get the heart unless you die from the vax. What are we even talking about yeah, right That now? transplant thing was big. A lot of the, even in, um, I think I mentioned too, in uh, Scotland and Germany, yeah. Where you had to have a jab to get euthanized. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's I like, know. you have to first get this and then die. And yeah. it's like, you're going to die from either one. <laughs> yeah, and then even in Germany, it was you had to get it to get in to get fertile treatment, I think. If yeah. you want to get pregnant, you want to be vaccinated. But I know the, the rationale they used for Germany or wherever the hell that one was for euthanasia was that the guy who's euthanized. The guy who's euthanizing requires close contact and like okay. you're not allowed to have close contact because apparently yeah. we're not social creatures. We're robots. Yeah. It's a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, another thing I wanted to do here, and this can either be rapid fire or we can spend some time on each one, but I was, here are some arguments again for the Vax Pass that I've heard in real life. And I, I wanted to know how you would respond to them, okay? So here's ones I've actually heard. So the first one is, you know what? I don't really care about the jab or the vax passes because I just want to travel and eat at restaurants because YOLO. So what do you say to someone that says that? Uh, have fun being a slave. <laughs> it, was, it can't say much. It's just like, and you saw so much. That was a really popular one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An another one I heard was... Um, well, what's the difference between this passport and the vaccines that you have to get to go to other countries? It's the same thing, isn't it? So what's the problem? Yeah, that was a tough one I grappled in the book, too, because that was a big, um, like, argument. It's like you have to get the jab to go to, like, Africa. Yeah. So then you, 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 so then you should, so then that somehow justifies you going into a cafe to eat a donut. 
It's just, it's not relevant at all. But it is a slippery slope, right? Like the fact that you have to get these jabs everywhere, it does slippery slope it that you you can keep arguing for it in other places, right? So I think like the, like the person will bring up a good point. I'll tell you, uh, that's a slippery slope. Mm -hmm. And like uh, you, you should, you, you, you may want to put more thought into like the impact that you, um, like the garment is telling you that in order for you to cross in, to this swat of land, you have to get a certain amount of shots into your body. It's just that on its own is kind of weird. Okay. So I would tell him to think about that, and then he probably won't. Okay. <laughs> well, the next one <laughs> You'll is... call me an anti-vax crazy conspiracy. I'm like, okay, whatever. Just enjoy your life. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the next one it, I actually got from a, a very... like, And certain people listening will know it's a very rigid authoritarian person in my life. But uh, th- this is his... This is his uh, assertion so the vax passes these are just like driver's license okay so you have to get these to participate in society more deeply and you know what you have to do it to prove that you're safe to be on the road and the vaccine proves that you're safe on the road of life it does remind me of people saying how if you're on vaccine you're walking it's like you're drunk like you're drunk driving mm-hmm. it's a similar concept i'd send them to the gulag like they're too dangerous i like i don't want to like that part i don't want to share a government with you right okay yeah. so i would it's just it's at, like you it, it's almost like let's say stalin has a gun in your head and he's like i'm gonna shoot you he's like no don't like why would you shoot it's like you 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 like you can't really rationalize with people who have such an authoritarian stance because okay. at that point it's like i want you to do this and i don't care how much you cry it's for your, your own good right it's for our best interests yeah. But I would, I mean, it does touch up to the point in the book where it's so dehumanizing, right? Mm-hmm. How, like, we treat human beings who aren't jabbed as if they're, like, drunk driving or as if people walking on just naturally on the street are, like, having to get a license like a car. Yeah. It just shows, the again, it's like a slave mentality. Yeah, and another thing I tried explaining, it didn't work, but I tried explaining that there's a huge difference between having something injected into your bloodstream and something that you go to the DMV and they take your picture. That's a big difference. With the, same thing with the safety belt too, right? That yeah. was the argument they used. So yeah. it's very big differences. Yeah. But it is, again, it's slippery slopes, right? All these are slippery slopes. Like the fact that the Garmin says you have to take a seatbelt or else you go like, you, you get fined. I've never understood that one either. Because yeah. <laughs> unless your body projects through the windshield and hurts someone else in an accident, there's no possible way this is hurting anyone else. Yeah, yeah. but it does really show where the they have this idea. Of, and I know I've talked to my friend about it too. It's like... um. The government has a responsibility to take care of its people. And at this point, I wasn't fully red-pilled on, like, anarchist literature and yeah. libertarian. Yeah. But at that point, I was like, really? Like, that doesn't, like, even if they don't want it? Mm-hmm. And so Especially that was a red-pill. Yeah, that was a red-pill. So I'm like, the government is supposed to protect you. I'm like, what if you don't want the protection? Are you, like, protected by force? And that's the idea in Canada. It's like, the government has your best interests, and you have to just follow no matter what. Yeah. And that's it. That's the end of the story. And what's what's especially strange about what happened during the pandemic is that um, I like, even though I'm have a, a strong proclivity towards liberty, mm-hmm. I kind of get why an older person would think about the way we used to be in this country from maybe like the mid '90s and earlier, mm-hmm. and say to themselves like, "Yeah, the government usually did try and do the right thing." 
You know, we we have a compared to other countries in the world, we have a decent track record, right? I mean, I'm I probably wouldn't say that if you were a native person, but yeah, but, it depends on the yeah, groups, right? Yeah, it just kind yeah. of shows you each person lives in their own world. Yeah, of. I but you kind of get what I, I mean, yeah, right? Yeah. Generally benevolent, generally trying to do the right thing, trying to stay out of wars, you know, th- things like this. So when they come along with something that's like novel and authoritarian, it can sneak right into like it can wear the skin of legitimacy and then just kind of take over and make you do things that you wouldn't otherwise have done. So that, that was just, but I bring up too on the fact that, um, like you mentioned how, like you were pretty distrustful full of like big pharma. Yeah. And I think that was big on the left. It's like, you kind of go through like, you know, like, you know, like the, 2000, the 90s, Absolutely. where at least the thought was that the left is against big pharma and all that stuff and like profiteering and, M- and Michael, yet, Michael Moore, right? Yeah. With, with, the, with his movie. And there was, I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's a very famous documentary called The Corporation, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Well, it's like a three, three and a half hour long documentary where it's just, it's a bunch of people on the left going over the arguments about why the corporation is essentially the same as a psychopathic individual. And how they're granted personhood status, mm-hmm. special tax stuff, da da da. But anyway, they they really thrash yeah, corporations, and yet, right? Yeah, and at the moment the COVID vaccine came, in the moment and the moment it just flipped. Yeah, it just shows you. I like, still don't get that part. Yeah, in my mind, it's almost like like ha- have things changed so suddenly, or ha- has it always been? It's just you just weren't able to see it enough. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense how it came out of nowhere. Like is it, it must red, have. You're right. Is it a red pill issue or is it like, is it a, a cozying up to power issue? Because like we know that over the past few years, it's been nothing but like leftist domination, right? But, I mean, here it's been going on a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, th- this, this abandoning principles in favor of just exercising power seems to be a huge component of this thing. From the top of Trudeau telling, you know, nuking the chuds from space, telling you got to do what I say, right down to like you mentioned, this woman at the at the hotel mm-hmm. exercising some petty power, yeah. just because she can, right? So okay, let's go on to the next one. We got uh, you're just doing this to be difficult. You don't really care about liberty or or precedence or anything like that. You're just asserting your own will and being intransigent. Does someone say that to you? Yeah. In real life, yeah, I'm kind of like, like, hold up, use smaller words. <laughs> uh, it's like you're called selfish, right, for inserting your own free will and like yeah. wanting to just walk across the street because yeah. you just want to. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's sort of like the you even saw it with the news media's in Ottawa convoy. It's like the word freedom and liberty have been turned into bad words, which I think is terrifying. I, the, the the shit libs on Twitter they'll call it free dumb right yeah that's just, free yeah. the fact that and then even yeah someone who's arguing about freedom can be like an alt right word that's being weaponized really that's like scary stuff and it just I think it just shows you how like the it's like the slave master has convinced the the slave yeah. that like if he he were free it'd be worse yeah I that's a great way of putting it because I I remember reading articles again during. Uh, when Maxime Bernier was kind of leading those anti-lockdown protests, right? And the news media was, was every night saying that these were these people were like far-right Nazis. Nazis are against the lockdowns. And I'm sitting there thinking, you're telling me that the most authoritarian government that ever existed is advocating for people to be free. That's what these 
what are you talking about? Like, I, they adopted it and they deployed it perfectly in that regard. Because, again, getting back to the Freedom Convoy, they convinced a significant number of people that, uh, you know, these were uh, pro-MAGA Trumpers mm-hmm. that were that were convening in Ottawa to either start another January 6th or... Yeah. But I, that was, that was hard, hard for me because yeah. I remember on the Monday I left and that was the day Trudeau gave his famous speech, right? I think it was um, like these people are, uh, you know, like this small fringe minor. I think it was the fringe speech yeah. on the yeah. Monday. Yeah. Or maybe it was before, I don't know, whatever it was, it was a terrible speech and just the, and it just like called everybody such bad words and. Yeah. How we're just like fascists for some uh, somehow sub- uh, want, wanting no government for my He's point. Fascist, right? yeah, okay, yeah. I guess I'm a fascist, <laughs> but it really hurt. And I saw like uh, the video. I saw people because we were at that point about to leave, so we, we we were going through each truck and saying bye and like talking to them. And they were great people. Oh, by like, the way, did you meet any like big personalities while you were there? I like, think Julie Panessi and them okay. talked, but okay. I never. Okay, it was twenty. It's only people. Curious. It was like twenty thousand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yet the news was like, oh, it's only a few hundred people. Okay, that kind of thing. But um, but no, I remember seeing the the truckers just um, sort of watching on their phones, and then I just saw like their eyes, like they were starting to tear, and then I was, I remember we were walking, and at one point I just started to bawl. Because it was like three days of like negative 30 weather, like chanting, screaming freedom, having fun, laughing, smiling. And then boom, being called a Nazi, being called a fascist, being called like white supremacy and like being called selfish, wanting to like hurt people. So I just like all my emotions just went out. I imagine because on top of not only being a liberty advocate, you're also Jewish, too. Yeah. So they're calling you a Nazi. How strange of an experience must that have been? That your own, like your own media, the one that you're coerced to pay for, the CBC, the state broadcaster, it's calling you and they steal your money and then call you a Nazi. Yeah. Even the organizations, the Jewish organizations, for like the Holocaust and that shit, they were like retarded. Like guys, it was just like it was like shocking to see them all like because pe- people made like valid points where like these passports are sort of things they used. In the 1930s, the Nazis did use health and um, and the way that they tricked people to segregate much of the Jews was to blame them for the outbreaks of typhus. typhus. Yeah, yeah, so it's identical. Yeah. And yet to be and yet and then these Jewish organizations like calling people like me like whatever they were call like oh it's like you're like anti-Semitic all that bullshit. Yeah. It was just so upsetting. I'm like you guys are useless people. Are you like who are you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was definitely upsetting. But overall, it was. I'm just glad I saw the government more for what it was. Yeah. And then I just like went straight into ANCAP. Like, it, was, yeah. <laughs> it was like a... No hill. turning like, back. Yeah, right? it was like yeah. from 2020 to 2023. I'm like, okay, I just like straight downhill. Well, t- I, I kind of t- I kind of showed you my hand. Well, if Prior to 2020, if you were going into the, like say you were going to go vote in a federal election, who you who were you throwing down before? Before? That's before. how I was like, what, 2019? Yeah. Yeah, I was just a left. Okay. Like I was like, I... Sort of like uh, like socialist. I wasn't socialist, yeah. but I liked the word because I like learned about the, you know like I you know like you know like socialism is like you know it's like nice and it like, help you, it help you want to help it. Yeah, so it, many lies and yeah. it's like uh, you know so oil right uh, so like he started as like a Marxist and I think I went similar route a bit where I sort of like felt myself as anti-establishment yeah. by you know seeing you know the issues with corporatism actually I. 
didn't even know the word, but like I got sushi with, you know, with, uh, you know, schooling and all, like I saw so many issues, but I hated like, like I didn't hate capitalism, but I was like scared about it. Cause I, cause I learned so much. You're fear-mongered like, about yeah, it. Right? Fear yeah. Fear-mongered yeah. about capitalism. I didn't know much about economics. Like I was economically like retarded. Yeah. Um, yeah, they don't teach it in grade school. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was very much just like I still like like people like Voltaire. Like I loved his quote where it's like I'll let you say something even if I don't agree with it, or like I'll, I'll fight to the die. death to make sure you can yeah, say it. Yeah. So right? I really yeah. had a lot of like left leaning like classical liberalist views, sure. but I didn't even know the word classical liberalist. Yeah. So I was almost in a really weird funk. Yeah. And I didn't even like I didn't um like at that time I didn't even know any like podcasters or YouTubers. Like I didn't really care about politics in general. Yeah. But definitely, yeah, I left. And obviously, and it's sort of like I was with people, friends who like would never vote conservative, you know, no matter what, you know, it's sort of like that idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you well, know, I'll from, never vote. Yeah. You're from around Toronto. That's, yeah. It's, it's very liberal around So, there. like, yeah. so I guess I was like socially liberal a bit yeah. and economically, I was like, I had no idea. Yeah. So, I, so then the moment in 2020 where I started to read like Rothbard and uh, Ludwig and, uh, and Frederick and, and uh, ha- and uh, Hazlitt, it was like a, it was like a reawakening. Yeah. And then I just straight into income, like taxes. I know it is kind of like a siren. It's like a criminals. Siren. Yeah, it's like almost radicalized, but yeah. like I'm not. It's, but it's a beautiful like siren normal. song, right? It's it's something that captures you, and you're not able. Mm-hmm. You you're gonna hear that forever now. It's, it's, yeah. It's but I think economic literacy is huge, like the right kind. Like I think it's huge because people like in my demographic. They have no idea about economics. Like they love, you know, like uh, CEBO is by the government. They don't see how that can be economically bad or they can't see how economic sort of functions in your human life. Like, I don't know. There's just no conception of it. I know if you could just get the leftists to understand a basic thing, like especially out where you are in Toronto, that, you know, they're always going on about we got to raise we got to raise taxes on wealthy people. Right. And then the next month their rent goes up. Right. So you, you make the landlord pay more. And you're going to be paying more yourself. So if you can under, get people to understand basic little circular things like that. And then, even growing up, it's like I hated, like I didn't hate, like not me. It was more just people telling me. So I was absorbing it. Yeah. But um, profit, right? Like profit's a terrible thing. Yeah. It's like scary. It's like they're mean. And it's, you know, it's all, it's like always blame the, the capitalists, yeah. not the, like it was always the garment had like, was just, like a great thing yeah and it really tried to help it just had these people who were just bad and like kept screwing them yeah so it's but this tax like, havens and yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, you really it, it's sort of like a way of thinking and then it's just like you you can understand that way of thinking but you're like it's just wrong and then you just think differently and i it's like it's like how how, how do you bridge the gap especially in canada mm-hmm. where it's just so not even like i guess you can say left but it's really socialist yeah it's just like they like they love that the government can provide uh, childcare right now. Yeah. I think they did that. Yeah, yeah every everything like you're. It's going like again. We talked about slippery slopes. It's going complete cradle to grave. They're they're not even hiding it anymore. Like and the population loves it. Like the yeah. s- the s- select, especially oh, my generation. Love free, quote unquote free stuff, free right? Stuff. Yeah, they'll always vote for the free stuff, right? Until the system collapses in on itself hyperinflation or whatever the case right so okay let's go on to the next one um oh this was one i heard quite a bit uh this is just a temporary measure so who cares they're just trying to protect you and it's going to be over with soon and if you know you it's just going to go away so who cares oh, i heard that <laughs> i've heard that yeah 
Uh, it sucks. These it's like it's almost like there's no answer to this question. Yeah. It's sort of like it's sort of, it's sort of like you, you you're like a free man walking, and a slave comes up to you and is like telling you like how how great it is to be a slave. How how you don't you know, have to it, think it, about anything. Yeah, you don't it's have to care so about yourself, fun. Right? It's like so comfortable. It's just you know I have like a nice bed. Like my you know like my guy in the house who is my master is a great guy. He really looks out. like it's just so nice. Like you should like want this. And I'm like I don't know who you are. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't think this way. It's just, but this whole, the, the temporary thing is annoying, especially when you tell them that, like, nothing's ever temporary, right? Like, the government will do something, and it's the, the, yeah, never temporary. Not only is it not temporary, but, like, I'm huge on trying to get people to understand precedence in, the, in politics. Mm -hmm. The thing that you rah-rah and cheer for is eventually going to be used on you. Do you want, like, and the thing I try and convince these people is, do you want your worst enemy having this power over you, right? Do you, say a, say a Trump-esque kind of dude takes over Canada, takes over. You want him to be able to tell you what's going to be injected into your body? I'm pretty sure you'll be bitching and moaning about it at that point. So you don't give it to, this is, people can't get over this, this idea. Do you have any insight about it? Yeah, I, I mean, that's a, that's a good point, because I know, um, like uh, a cool red pill for me was Lord of the Rings. Okay, sure. And it's funny because I really saw uh, I saw an article on Twitter saying how Lord of the Rings in nineteen eighty four can like uh, make you alt right. Like it could possibly lead to alt right thinking. It was like this new article on Twitter. I'll show you later. It's like bizarre, but it. Oh, is it because of Menchus Moldbug? He uses the 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 Hobbit analogy for the different groups know. of people. Okay, I don't right. even know why. <laughs> But so it was a really red pilling moment uh, with the ring. And I use the same uh, same argument where it's like the government is the ring that rules them all. And do you and e even if you love what this one person's doing with the ring, are you going to want the next person? Are you going to trust them to have that power? Yeah. And I don't think, and I think they never thought about it. Yeah, I don't know what, what your friend said after you maybe talked to him about that. If you did, but I don't know, like they they don't even think about like, oh, like this is a lot of power. And even though I like this guy in it for four years, and like, am I gonna trust this power fifty years down the line? Yeah. Obviously not. But I guess I I don't think they care. Yeah, because I'm now I'm just thinking about about not only with the vaccine mandates, but with what Trudeau did with the Emergencies Act in relation to this is that I'm seeing like he's Trudeau's going away eventually, whether he likes it or not. He's going to be it might be tomorrow. It might be 10 years, but he's going to be. A, I, I know <laughs> he doesn't have he doesn't seem to go away. He's right? scared to go in public. And yeah, he should. but he's shameless. Right. Like it's it's still hilarious to me that the British prime minister can get so easily shamed out of his post by having a lockdown party. He, Bo Bojo has to quit. Trudeau has literally dozens of scandals to his name, and he doesn't even acknowledge them. So he, he's not going anywhere, right? In, unless he has to. But regardless, he's going away at some point. And I'm thinking about, let's say, Polyev wins. I'm thinking about, um, you know, all the leftists get together, as they usually do when there's a right-winger in power. Like, I remember the Idle No More protests, when Stephen, when Stephen Harper was in power. Oh, yeah, I don't even remember that. So like, Idle No More was the native revolt against oh, okay. him, right? Um, and that was about 2012, 2013. Anyways, uh, I'm thinking of Pierre, like Prime Minister Polyev. He's in office. The lefties are all in Ottawa convening on a climate march. 
and then he just says, fuck it. Throw, I'm going to send the troops out and round you all up. And you know what? Maybe I'll even make you get vaccinated too. Is this what, is this the kind of situation that these people want to live in? And they, I don't understand how they can't see that. I, I, I think part of it is I like, you know, with the elect, like the election system. And I feel like they see government as like a natural entity yeah. that exists like a tree does. It just comes like it's just so naturally occurring. Yeah. And so it's just a natural thing. It's like hey, if a tree comes in, that's bad. We'll just hopefully plant a good tree in four years. Mm-hmm. So it's like if someone back comes, we'll all get together and vote our guy in. Yeah. And everything will be okay. And then they do a they do a vicious cycle, and then a, and then you eventually get old and die, and then it just repeats. It's sort of like a. So I, I that's that's why I really hopefully libertarian anarchist sort of culture grows more in Canada, mm-hmm. where people stop seeing government as like a natural existing entity and something that has a lot of power and should be obviously very limited, if not non-existent. But I think that's a start because these people don't think about that at all, especially the left, but also the right. Like They're very much similar, especially Canada. Yeah. No, okay. One thing I wanted to ask you about too, because it was, like you said, we were, like, I'm not going to say, I wasn't socially isolated because of my positions on the pandemic, but it was a thing where it, my my circles were limited because of it. Um, and what was kind of weird to me is that I would come across randomly people in real life that I would think, you know, oh, cool, this person thinks the same way, and then be completely revolted by them. And what I mean by that is, like, it was hard to find company like yourself, somebody who was doing it in terms of liberty, because mm-hmm. there was the people that were going to do everything and, uh, uh, like, completely obey 100%. There was the people... And then there was people like us who didn't want to. And a lot of the people that did not want to comply were doing it for stupid reasons. <laughs> like I did, like there was, like at the, I don't know if you remember at the very beginning, there was the people that thought that the Vax would, would give you magnet, like it would magnetize you. There was the, I, I'm not joking. This is, but you might appreciate this, especially considering you're Jewish. There was uh, two different guys at my work. Um, one guy... Like, I, I would speak to them, like, I'm not getting the vaccine. They're like, yeah, I'm not getting the vaccine either. I'm like, oh, yeah, why why, why won't you get it? And he goes, uh, one guy goes, uh, well, you know that this is just a Jewish conspiracy to kill people, right? Like, oh, okay. So I, I just, okay, next. And the other guy would say, you know what, I would get the vaccine, but unfortunately, they're not giving us the real ones. Only the real ones are getting shipped to Israel. <laughs> So I I tried to get those two guys to be in the same area because that would have been hilarious conversation. One thing, one believes, yeah, yeah, only the ones in Israel work. And then the other guy says that this is all a Jewish plot to kill people, right? But anyways, what what I mean to demonstrate by that story is that the kind of people that were predisposed to, to not go along with this were doing it for completely retarded reasons. There was the, the actual conspiracy theorists. Yeah. There was the religious nuts, and there was like the, what do you call them, the Q people, the QAnon people, right? Did you find the same thing that you'd think you'd bump up against someone where you could kind of link up with them and and share some ideas, and then you're just like, they're not doing it for liberty, they're doing it for this completely retarded reason. I think it's interesting, because where I'm from, Lair, it's like, especially with my age group, 
and people I knew, it was all um, like um, like um, all to get the job and like because you have to follow the law and everything. Like the sort of the crazies, quote unquote, I never even like ran across them. So I never cared too much. I was like, yeah, you think this way. But as long as you're saying no, you're like helping. Yeah. Okay. So you're, so you're, you're I was like, yeah. So I was like, yeah. I'm not going to waste my time with energy because I have like this like monster that's attacking me. Yeah. It's sort of like the left is like retarded and then the right's also, but like. The left is the one in power and who, who's actually attacking you. Yeah. So I won't care about you now. Yeah, yeah. But it definitely, like, I, even in uh, some of the protests, it was fine to see some signs and see some people who were very unique people. Like, I yeah, call them yeah, unique. For sure, yeah. And it was just fun because it was sort of like a, like, it was sort of like a fresh of uh, breath there. Like, it was a... Uh, yeah. But uh, the Jewish conspiracy people, maybe because I wasn't on Twitter at the time. Like, yeah. I only came on Twitter in, like, 2022. Yeah. So I didn't ever really saw them, but I knew they were out there. But it would be just be fun. Like if I saw them in real life, I just kind of laugh. Like okay. yeah, I know. I, it's, <laughs> it's so retarded. You can't take yeah, it seriously. Yeah, but it's funny. All and what I, I guess what I meant is like, it was so strange to have to like actually like you got to it earlier like explaining these alien concepts to people about liberty because it was like there was a whole huge massive group of people that were doing it because they were told to, and then there was these other people that were saying no. And they were kind of, they to me, it felt like, you're making me look bad, okay? Right. That, that talking about this crazy though, shit. Yeah. Why? Shut up. Just don't take it. Just leave the talking to people like us, okay? Just. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, definitely it wasn't like, uh, like, uh, I, and I know what was, what was funny was the bodily autonomy people. Sure. I guess this is also involved in it. Yeah. Especially like one part from the left where it's like bought autonomy to get this um, abortion, abortion yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And then three fucking six data of this. So yeah. I so I was like focused on that. Yeah. But I definitely did uh like I did see the news media pick up on certain signs and certain like even the Confederate flag, right? Which I thought was cool. Especially back then where I didn't know too much about it either. And the more I like, oh it's kinda cool. But yeah. the Confederate flag that was in the Ottawa convoy, like it got so much heat. And I'm just there, like, just, like, stop getting distracted. Like, the yeah. news media was really picking apart people who maybe had whatever on the same side, but maybe maybe, maybe their views were a little different. Mm -hmm. And they were picking them to make everyone look a certain way. And it's just sort of, they always do that. But it's just, it's for sure frustrating. It's like, I... I completely, I, I actually, I wrote about that for a site called uncancelled.ca. I had an article called, uh, I think it was called... Uh, distortions of the freedom convoy and uh actually maxine bernier retweeted that one he liked oh, it and that, that was cool that was a nice little thing he did but yeah you're right they i i even i looked into that one pretty deeply and it's entirely plausible that the the nazi flag ones that they were in the convoy were guys that were probably working for the government they were like agent provocateurs that you know we'll send you in with the flag, we'll take pictures of you with these people, and then we can smear it publicly, right? Yeah. It's definitely, I think, uh, I think t two things come out of it. One is, yeah, the the uh, the feds kind of, the yeah. feds going in. And the other thing is, even for the Confederate flag specifically, I think afterwards the guy talked about it and how like um, the Confederacy wanted to leave the federal government because the federal government is attacking them. Sure. It made perfect sense, and he talked about it later, but... In terms of the, in terms of like the knowledge, like there's no historical knowledge. Like everyone in Canada's like, can flag, oh my god, like he he's like a slaver. He hates black people. Yeah. Nazi. Yeah. So it's like people are just it's like the, the media 
doesn't have to do much because the population's already kind of retarded. Yeah. Especially Canada to the American history, which yeah. even Canadian history, I don't think even, especially my generation, no one knows history. Like the hell happened in Canada in the 1950s, 60s. Like yeah. no one learns anything. No one cares about it. They just go through the motions and want to live their life and yeah. go traveling. Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the, the YOLO crowd, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I remember that because we're we're at the one year anniversary of the Ukraine war. So I remember when the war started happening. It was about a couple months in. We were still under the vaccine mandates and the vaccine passport system. They started letting in Ukrainian refugees, unvaccinated, and illegal immigrants at Roxham Road, unvaccinated. And that's completely fine, but I wasn't allowed to leave, despite the fact that, like I described at the top of the episode, I was a completely honest and good member of society my whole life, and these people can just waltz in. What did you think about that? Yeah, I remember that vividly. I don't know if I mentioned it, but it was definitely something I was grappling, because it was happening while I was writing. Okay. And I hear, yeah, the I even hear, um, I heard Poland was opening up its borders mm-hmm. for Ukrainians. For, uh, but I think unvaccinated had to go through a process. So they had to get vaccinated to go in to um, like that area. But it was just, that uh, was so hypocritical. Yeah. Well, I thought the thing too was like they shipped them over pretty quickly, didn't they? And I thought that it was two weeks after your vax, you still technically were not vaccinated, yeah. but they were being shipped around. It just showed it was just the, it's just. Uh, smoke like it, it just showed how much of a fake thing it is like they didn't actually care but i don't think anyone even really saw that i don't think it was it made the headlines the fact that unvaccinated ukrainians were coming while canadians can't even go to like alberta or their next province yeah and and, and it was funny watching again our favorite guy here trudeau um He's here in Canada doing speeches masked up and getting boosted on TV and stuff, right? But then he goes to Ukraine, one of the least vaccinated places on earth, as I was led to believe, at least in Europe, it was one of the lower ones, 30% vaccinated or something. And they were so, and, and he's walking around maskless and he's walking around like, I know the, the thing about the optics and how people can't see through these games, like I don't understand how they rationalize it to themselves so i guess another question i guess i'd have is how what is that justification process like for most people do you think do you know anyone in your own life how they got got through it like the ones that got the vaccine and showed the the papers um how did how did they justify this to themselves i i know from i think it depends on the population in terms of like how old you are but i know people my age like 22 23 it was like a fun thing, mm-hmm. a part of it. I remember being in the mall and um, I saw some kids at like grade 12, maybe. They're lining up. And they're like, do you have your health card? Oh, shit, I think I forgot at home. Like, oh, my God, you have your health card on you? Like, so casual as if it's like a fun experiment they're in. And, like, yeah, yeah. no conception of, like, did you read Brave New World? Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not seem dystopian. I think a lot of it's fun and just go along to get along. Did they do the give you a sticker? And then give you the selfie opportunity too. Oh, like, did they uh, did they do that at that spot? I think so. But a lot of my uh, Instagram stories I saw, which was making me go insane, was like a uh, vax 
Girl Summer or something. It's like Ooh, uh, Vax bad. Girl Summer. That's cringe. Like, wow. So cringe. Yeah. Like the girl had like a, like a Band-Aid and like hashtag, uh, hashtag get vaccinated. Like double toe summer. I don't know. The most retarded phrases. And it was like such a black pilling. Like it was like, and like at this time I wasn't on Twitter. I mean, I kind of hoped I was, but I actually like, I guess it's a little bit off topic. But I actually, um, like, you know, Eric uh, in July. So I actually, that's the first guy I saw who, and then who, he kind of introduced me into the whole thing. Oh, okay. Cool. So I was on his online Discord. Yeah. So throughout that time, I'm just on, on his Discord talking to people who follow him and seeing what I can read for books. Yeah. That's how I learned everything about it. So I was on Twitter. So I got that sort of healthy conversations okay. where i would be in person and they would just be absolutely insane like talking about how like they were like rationalizing uh workplaces having the vax because like um it's like well back then you didn't um like it was sort of being like it makes sense because uh, there's like workplace laws for like you know you have to wash your hands after you like do something so it like makes sense if you get the jab for work yeah. like rash like doing crazy rationalization so it was nice to have like a little spot on the online where i can just talk freely yeah um but other than that it was like you can't really talk to people who just have who just appeal to authority right that's sort of what it is essentially yeah yeah, yeah. and it's so hard to get through people like that yeah. And like, like you said earlier too, I, I feel like a huge part of people justifying it was that they had to, um, not just because of the overwhelming, you know, propaganda campaign that was leveled at everyone, but, uh, like you said, the jobs, like using people's jobs as a, as a means of coercion, that was especially fucking difficult for people. I believe like, do they really want to give up everything that they've worked for their whole lives because of this job that you know what i could see a lot of people saying well you know what like i've worked my whole life for this and like if they're making me do it it can't be that bad yeah. what are they going to do they they don't want us all dead because then no one would pay their taxes right yeah. so <laughs> it's a good point it's even something that i thought about where i was like i remember one time i was like sleeping or i was about, about to go to sleep and i just keep seeing all these headlines about how i'm such a terrible person and how i'm infecting the community and how i'm such a and that if everyone just got vaccinated, it'd be perfect. And then I was, I was thinking to myself, I was like, shout out to Toronto star, August uh, 2021. Cover. Remember that? Yeah. I don't even know how they're still in business. I guess through <laughs> subsidies. I don't know. But, uh, but I remember um, just feeling that like, maybe if I just get even, you know, like maybe if I just bent the knee and then I was sort of, sort of like finding out that like, how how tempting it is to just say fine yeah. just stop fighting be like okay fine i'll do it it's like i feel like that's so tempting and yeah and so i really so i have a lot of admiration for people who still stood like me who still like yeah. who who saw temptation and said like no i'm sick on this hill and you have to like shoot me and you know in yeah. order for me to move yeah. but it's definitely that temptation of just saying fine and like let me live my life like, uh, what's his name? Jordan uh, Peterson, right? He kind of got the jazz because he, he wanted to be left alone. And he wanted to travel to do his speeches and stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, like he was, yeah. that was like a very and cowardly then, thing. I remember him getting red-pilled on it because after they were saying like, you know, he, he, he initially got mad. I think it was like December of 2021 is when he started to get mad about it or in or 
2022. I can't, oh, I'll have to get, but around there. But he was like, uh, you guys, uh, it was when Ontario instigated the 20, January 2022 when they started to re-implement the lockdowns. Mm-hmm. And he was like, wait a second, you guys told us that if we did this, then we wouldn't have to go through this anymore. And that's when he snapped, right? But He got kind of red-pilled a bit because we did have that like 60 percent pop like we had to go through stages right the lockdown had like stages like stage one was like 50 percent vaccine they think like jordan peterson like i think he was just like back i mean i i think he red pilled himself but back then i don't think he was at all into it like the fact that you can't see how like if you you know go the 50 if you you know if you bend one knee yeah they're gonna make you bend the other yeah like it was always gonna end badly the moment they said 70 percent of the population has to get vaccinated or lockdowns will continue yeah that point for me, I'm like, holy shit, something bad's happening. And, and, that's and they when still I didn't even stick nervous. to that. Yeah. Yeah, they did. <laughs> so, yeah, th- that, that that's interesting that you bring up going through a, like a self-reflection about, because I remember struggling with that too, where I was like, I, I, I locked out to some degree because my company didn't decide to mm-hmm. force that on, on our, on our employees. So, but uh, from what I've investigated, it was out of sheer uh, laziness, almost. Like, they just kept saying among the top group, like, the medical team and the HR and, and the lawyers, they, they were all saying, like, we, let's not do anything until we have to. So, we did <laughs> So th- that was their strategy, and it just kind of worked out. But that's, uh, that's a good thing. But at the same time, uh, I was I was amped up, and I was like, I was dead. Like that was the struggle that you were just talking about. Where I was thinking about it, like you see a little bit of my life here because you're in studio. Like I have a house, I have kids. Uh, I you know I I want to give them a a good a good existence. Uh, I want to give them everything that they need in life. And then I started thinking about like, what's going to happen? What do I do if they make me try and take it? And like, I knew I wasn't going to do it when I knew I wasn't going to do it when they were pushing. Like if they hadn't pushed so hard, I might've considered it, but it was the sheer fact that they kept pushing it, even though all the metrics that they said needed to be hit were hit. And the virus kept getting worse. It seemed like when Omicron came out, the vax passes were were in effect yeah. and that's when it exploded right yeah. so it was at that point i was like i don't care if they fire me for this because i'll lead some sort of lawsuit against it if they do yeah you'll figure it out yeah I, so that but yeah you're right it was scary at times because you literally start to think about everything being taken away from you mm-hmm. even though you didn't do anything and people keep pestering you it's like almost every day like you should get it why aren't you getting it you should get it you hear the reason the panic's prolonging like in person it just really lays on you it's like really heavy so you're sort of like yeah you just so i'm really glad to have had people but i feel bad for people who don't have people who like had their family like say you you should get vaccinated like that'd be really tough you know if like my mom and dad told me to get it consistent badgering and threats even yeah like you feel like Like, where's your loyalty at sort of thing and then you so I feel bad for people who had their own families sort of like smack them over the head with it. Yeah. Yeah. But thankfully yeah. we were in good spots. Yeah, we were in good spots. And like you said, being able to access uh, like-minded people online was very helpful because I had kind of given up on Twitter and it was in 2017 or 18. I was on it for a while and I was just like, I, I hate this. I hate everything about this. But then when when this started to happen in the summer of 2021 is when I was like, 
I got to see if there's other Liberty people talking about this. Exactly. And that's where I bumped into a lot of people and eventually I crossed paths with you. So that's very cool. But yeah, you're right. The, the, like people don't realize, maybe you don't, if you're living in certain places in the United States, you didn't see it as much, but here it was really bad with the amount of messaging they were doing. Uh, not only was it being constantly thrown in your face in, in the, in the media, and in the news, but I even remember, like, I worked shift work, essentially, and when I drive to work early in the morning, so it's like, it's 5 a.m., I'm driving to work, it's in Oakville, right? Yeah. So I'm driving to work, I'm, I'm going down a highway, and for people that are listening from the States, we have these, like, um, government message boards on the highway that go that give you little messages about they they remind you about things you shouldn't do. So one one of them says like make sure uh, not to tailgate. There's one that says like make sure you don't smoke marijuana and drive. But during the COVID pandemic, every single day was the same thing. I'm by myself, 5 a.m. driving to work. The government is telling me on a sign above the highway, get vaccinated call your local vaccination clinic constantly. constantly couldn't get away from it so yeah i, I totally and I, I think that's why hopefully i mean i don't i doubt this book will be taught in like schools unless it's like a private good school but i feel like that's i feel like this the last three years like a really good observation of how propaganda works mm -hmm. and how governments instill conformity and obedience and one of that is just badgering 24 7 yeah. to, to the point where you will just say please stop just leave me alone. yeah please yeah. i just please i can't breathe like yeah. fine i'll do it yeah and i think it's like scary it kind of shows like the power they have and yet i it's just sad to think that schools will in 20 years i highly doubt maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm blackpilled <laughs> but hopefully they look back on it the same way they look back at internment camps right like sure. they like it's like oh it's so bad but back then they were in for it you know that's oh, like, for sure they're they were fully yeah. supporting the people who supported vaccine passports today Pearl have, Harbor and, yeah, yeah. people who supported vaccine passports right now would have supported internment camps for the Italians the Japanese yeah. they would support it because you know it's um, protect safety and yeah. public health which is yeah, here's another thing that Maybe you, maybe you have some insight. I don't know if you thought about it, but how do you grapple with the idea that there's people in everyone's lives, uh, th th this complicated relationships for a lot of people. Um, do you forgive people for acting in certain ways or, or do you hold it? Like to, to me, it's, it's hard to unsee these kinds of things. Uh, like it's almost like your reaction to the pandemic tells me almost everything I need to know about you. When it comes down to crunch time, you're gonna throw me in the gulag. Exactly. Do I, you... I think I'm there. Like I, it's like you sort of lose your trust. It's just like a trust thing, and that like you know when it comes down to it, yeah. you're gonna put what the government wants over my own health. Yeah. And so I. And that's why, again, I really distance myself from people because mm -hmm. I just, like, couldn't be around them. Like, I just couldn't see them the same anymore. Yeah. I think it's unfortunate. But, yeah, I think, I, think, I think a lot of people are grappling with that anger. I think it's also a part of it. It's just you just hard to let go. Yeah. You mean from the unvaxxed or from the, the vaxxed? Us, yeah, okay, onto sure. them. It's hard to like of what they did, e even if some of them may have been, you know, well intentioned and they didn't mean to. 
Yeah, and you know but what? Still, like, I, I can't unsee it. I don't like it's it's hard to it's hard for some of these people to understand. I think how much it would mean to people like us if you just came in a, in a heartfelt way and just said something simple like, "I'm sorry, I, I was scared, and I know better now." Mm-hmm. But, as long as you know better, as long as they say that. Yeah, but I don't even know how many of these people learned anything from this. Like, it seems like a lot of them are just willing to like cut their losses to some degree and just move on because that never happened. Yeah. Hope it never happens again. Like right? I, even that brings up where I was um, like, I sort of stopped talking to people around me when everything was going on. And then once things settled down, I started, I started to try to talk with, with them once more. Mm-hmm. And one person who like is very well intentioned and all that. And he saw, um, they sort of brought up the point that they just want to put in the past. Like, let's just put in the past. Let's just go forward and just pretend it never happened. Like, that's uh, a big thing. That's a big ask, that's, right? Yeah, and it's a yeah. Big, and I think it happens all the time. Like if you look throughout the you know last hundred few years of all the terrible things that happened, yeah. And again, people just move past it, and you just you just keep moving past atrocities, and then no uh, one well, asks the big questions. What our our guys are doing is moving into the next yeah. atrocity with the Ukraine thing, yeah. right? And, like and, let's shift from pandemic to yeah. to nuclear war. And uh, the people too, like I went to a protest at the mall, like a one man protest. I just yeah. got like a sign up. Yeah. And I went in the mall to protest people who were ha- having food. Oh, okay. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So I just and on my own. Yeah, just to make a point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually, I guess uh, it was funny. Oh, uh, yeah. Because no, I kind of went like secret. Like I ha- had my V mask on. Okay. So I oh, like okay. scared yeah. some folks. So <laughs> it's like so I'm sort of like coming out now. But I went to the mall and like I scared the shit of a little kid by accident. But oh, yeah, yeah it's some dude with like a black sweater like I have now with a V mask yeah. and my long hair. I look like the guy. Yeah. So I walked to the mall and I had my sign saying complicit. That's it. Okay. Just com- complicit on a piece of paper. Yeah. And then they were eating and I walked right in front of them on the sign. And this one old guy didn't even look at me. He was like. Well, no, ma- no matter how badly you scared that kid, it's nothing close to what his parents probably did to him. Exactly. Right? And Mask and vaccine and keeping him away from people yeah. and screaming at him if he talks yeah. to a stranger. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I was going around there just sort of with the sign. And it was funny to see the reactions because it was sort of a point where no one was asking questions about yeah. like. So that's why I wrote the book. Right. It's like no one really thought about vaccine passports and what that means. Right. You know, like, well, I'm, like, well, like, uh, what are the implications, right? Yeah. So I, then there's like three older ladies. One of them said we had, like, she agreed with me, but then she said we had to do what we had to do. Yeah. That was like the famous line. Like, was, we yeah. had to do it. Like, we had to do what we had to do. Yeah. Sorry. Like, I don't want to tell you. And she was, this is a boomer lady? Maybe like in her 50s. Okay. So almost a boomer. Okay. That's fun. Yeah. I stared down the security guard too. Like, there was, a lot of people were smiling, like, making fun of it. But like, I think I got to one or two of them, which is what I wanted. That, right? that I, can at make least a world of difference. Person. Yeah. 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 So I stared down the security guard who was like, it was, no, it wasn't even a big jumbo guy. It was a small little girl, like <laughs> 21 years old, just yeah. following the law, following yeah. her job, doing her job. Yeah. And yeah, I just stared her down to make her look away, to make her think like we, we, these people like me and you exist out here at that time. Yeah. And because I guess it's also, I mean, I guess I'm kind of ranting, but no, I think good, this, good. yeah, this is really, I think it's really important that I think what really makes atrocities happen is people don't, like you can't see, well, you can't see. So like people at schools, right, they have all the masks on yeah. and there's nine people in the class. They don't see the one guy 
who got kicked out for not having a mask, who got suspended. They don't see him. They don't see me at the cafeteria having food is not vaccinated because everyone is vaccinated. So they just don't see bad things happening. So they they think, oh, like, oh, I just say, never mind. Yeah, yeah. So everyone in this classroom is masked and jabbed. So everyone's masked and jabbed. Yeah, there's no one the being world. suspended. There's no one being attacked on the street. And, and and that probably furthers the mentality of marginalizing the people yeah, yeah. that don't want to go along, right? Because yeah. in my experience, everyone does what they're supposed to do, right? Yeah. So yeah. that was a big red pill. It's just yeah. to realize that people just don't see it, so they just don't think it exists. Sure. Like they're like, you know, they're good people somewhere, but then the other full part of them is just, yeah, they just, I don't know, you just sort of live your life in complete different world. Like people like me and you at this point didn't exist in the world, you know, like yeah. all the restaurants had fully vaccinated people, yeah. all the movie theaters. And I even went to go protest at the theater too. Okay. Yeah. I was like laughed at by the, the employees. Like it was like, they all bunched up and like looked at me and it was kind of raining. Yeah. So I had my sign up too. Like yeah. I was just so fed up. I just want to like do something. Do something. Yeah. 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 Get one person to fucking think about what they're doing. Yeah. And especially when it's so much like V for Vendetta, you know, with the health stuff yeah. and the viruses and like the like paranoia. So yeah. and like you remember that speech from the movie yeah. he made, that really famous speech. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, if you only need to find the guilty party, look look in the mirror, right? Like yeah. So it was so well done, and yet it was just, yeah, a lot of them laugh. But I think I think the people laughing was like an immediate response, right? But it's a depraved, like, a, a, a depraved kind of, like, symbol of, of superiority, mm-hmm. right? Like, that you shouldn't be laughing at any of this. Like, I know, I got the same kind of feeling. This isn't funny. This is, mm-hmm. you're destroying people's lives, and you're, com- you're complicit. And then they were laughing as they went to go line up (laughs) in the rain to go to the theater to probably, and it just makes me laugh. Like imagine 1984, the movie or the movie V, right? Imagine it came out in the theater. And you're using your passport to get in to watch it. Well, that was I remember laughing. I remember laughing about that. That Rage Against the Machine was requiring oh, vaccines at their concerts and masked up, right? Like, are you kidding me? Is this the same band I remember from the nineties? Yeah, it was even that other rock band uh, that was like five. Like, uh, we, we, remember that video? It was like they asked the crowd which shot they got, and it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and it's like Team Pfizer, <laughs> Team Moderna, and say anti vaxxers yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. like it's like. I laugh and it's like, I think that's the big part of, that's why I kind of mentioned before where it's almost like a, where it's, it's so totalitarian and so dystopian that you laugh because you just don't know what else to do because it's just so bizarre. Yeah. And I think that's just like a- keep from crying, right? Yeah. Yeah, It's a very (laughs) weird thing I thought about. (laughs) So again, uh, before we had this interview, I sent you a document that's being put out and pushed right now by Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, um, epidemiologist, health economist, professor at Stanford University, and a fellow of the Academy of Science and Freedom. He and and, uh, nine other of his colleagues all established PhDs in medicine, physicians, epidemiologists, biostatisticians, surgeons, vaccinologists, uh, like the cream of the crop, uh, they're putting forth this idea called the Norfolk Group. And what they want to do is call either a COVID commission or an inquiry or a tribunal. I'd love to see a tribunal, but that's probably not going to happen. But they're putting out 10 questions that they want answered about the COVID pandemic 
So hopefully, we do you want to just go over them quickly and we can see if we can find anything there? So the first question they want asked about the pandemic response is what could have been done to better protect older high-risk Americans so that fewer of them died or were hospitalized due to COVID-19? Do you have any thoughts on that? So, so good. I think it really depends on your angle. Like, uh, like obviously the angle that won't involve government is just workplaces sort of allowing people to take more sick days off maybe or just make their own initiatives to go on online yeah. or I sort of go that route, but um, obviously not what they did, <laughs> not the yeah. lockdowns and all that shit. That didn't do anything. Not because I remember like for any, again, American listeners and international listeners in Canada and specifically here in Ontario, we have these things called LTCs. They're long-term care homes. This is where an overwhelming majority of our elderly people go. There's public ones and there's private ones, um, <clears throat> all with different degrees of efficacy and uh, <laughs> care for their their patrons. But uh, nonetheless, uh, this was, again, to tie into your vaccine passport thing, uh, the care workers, the, I, I believe they're called PSWs, like personal support workers, um, they were all forced to get vaccinated. And despite the vaccines, despite the vaccine passports and having to show it for employment in to go into the long-term care homes to, to, to care for these people, uh, these were the sites of the biggest and seemingly deadliest outbreaks of COVID. Now, we know that that's partially because of their age. These are older people that are in some sort of care situation, so they're probably not doing so good. They probably have a couple of, like, uh, comorbidities right yeah. um but still uh the vaccine passport was supposed to resolve all these things and even though they instituted all these personal care workers and even the patrons to some degree getting vaccinated didn't didn't help i remember looking at the stats even when Om- when omicron was going around uh like the, the low was 50 percent of these ltcs having outbreaks in their facilities like it was pretty crazy so Again, like, look at it. Well, what did these vaccine passports do? And I would even add to, like, I feel like the issue, too, is that with uh, such a powerful and socialized government is that people let them, like, they don't, they don't take the initiative to actually do things that could help. Like, for the, uh, like the long-term uh, uh, homes, I think a lot of families should have brought them home. Mm-hmm. Not made them stay in the little cubicle with a bunch of elderly people who will just yeah. will just all together die and like they you know you know they're not around but they will, will not even allow you to, to see family. Yes, right. So it's like a people should have done more on their own, but they were also not allowed to. Like you couldn't even go to the hospital and see your elderly. You couldn't. So definitely the government making kind of separating people and families, yeah. especially when you know that. Like an elderly person who's all alone and has no family next to them, will that won't make you feel well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that could make you become sick. Yeah. So they really cause a lot of the sickness they would, you know. Was, oh, you know. there, there is this thing that's, I think, underappreciated. I hope someone writes a good piece about it one day. But uh, like you're familiar with the placebo effect, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, there is such a thing as the nocebo effect, which is, well, this is when, you know, instigate a poor health outcome by making people scared of what they're Mm going to get 
So it's extra stress being put on your system because the government's propagandizing you about this virus. Like if you get it, then you freak out and you yeah. think you're going to die, right? So I, I hope that there's some literature written about that. Well, I think in that way, and it really the isolation too, you know, like yeah. all the stuff they did, they caused people to get sick in many ways and they caused it to become worse. Like they'll probably say that's not how things work, yeah. all that blah, blah, but what the government did was not helping. It was making things worse. Absolutely. Yeah. And then again, like I, my big, one of my big things during the whole pandemic was like, if you, if you like, Hopefully, no. I hope no one has bad things happen to them in life. But just say you were dying slowly tomorrow. Um, would you really be happy about what you were doing during the pandemic? Like, you're happy that your last days were shut in by yourself? Watching the government broadcaster tell you what freedoms you have on that day? That's how you want to live? So I, with the, with the long-term care homes, no one asked the old people. No one asked them, is this how you want to spend the last part of your life? Yeah. Like the, I'm, I'm imagining a lot of these guys were uh, war heroes. I don't see guys storming. You know, the, the guys that were at Normandy storming the Nazis. I don't think that they're scared of the virus. I think they want to see their grandchildren before they die, not be told by some government bureaucrat that they're staying by themselves for indefinite amount of time. Yeah, I think it ties into the infant, like how you treat people like an infant, no matter how old you're. You know, like they treated old people like they were kids. Like, oh my God, we have to protect them. Let's lock them in a room and like give them like sweets and candies yeah. to like go along. Like it's just the people were old and treated like kids. And then you just, it was just so bizarre to see people like like it. They enjoyed it. Yeah. I know. Again, you, you've said it a few times, but it was, that was <laughs> one of the black pills, right? It was, what is human nature? Is that, is that what we really are? Most of us is that we're, we're just willing to go along with anything as long as we get a treat like, yeah. I hope not to. Okay, <laughs> uh, the second point that the uh, Norfolk group brings up. Why was there widespread questioning of infection-acquired immunity by government officials and some prominent scientists? How did this hinder our fight against the virus? Can you repeat that? The first part. Why was there widespread questioning of infection-acquired immunity by government oh, right, officials? Right, natural immunity. Yeah, why? So what do you think? Why, why, why were they questioning this? Like, and, and it does kind of link up with the vaccine passports, because why couldn't there have been technically... Why wouldn't they have made an immunity passport? Mm -hmm. That way you can get more people on board. Yeah, because I know some in Europe, right? You, you, the passport in Europe, the yeah. health, whatever the hell yeah. shit was called, it had, like, you had to... Like if you had not like if you had an infection for six months, yeah. you you could use the passport. Okay, so some so they had did that. Do that. You, okay, Europe had Ontario. We didn't do that here. No. Yeah, Canada was very unique in terms of its. You get it's like you get the jab, or you like starve. It was like yeah, yeah. So I I'm a part of me is glad it happened. So not no so not more people went on it. Yeah. Because if there was natural immunity part, a lot of people would be like, oh, I'll go on it and I'll like go along with it. Yeah. But in terms of why they did it, so yeah, they can really. push more. I was just going to say, you almost inevitably have to look at the financial incentives, yeah. right? Like there was a lot of business deals being done behind the scenes with regard to these products. And you almost have to say that that was the whole point of it. Because I know even uh, for Pfizer, like I think their, um, their 2020 um, profit, whatever revenue was like 40 mil. Yeah. Or forty billion, yeah, yeah, billion, yeah. definitely yeah. billions. They're not millionaires. 
Um, they're more than that. Um, yeah, and then 2020 was 40 billion. And I think 2022 was 82 billion. And they doubled it. And they made more on core, vaccine, uh, core vaccines alone than they made in all the other drugs in 2020. So they made over, I think it was 42 million. So that was more in 2021 than yeah. in 2020 total. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you have to, like, I mean, I'll, I'll, like, obviously, we won't ever actually know what yeah. was going in their heads. Yeah. And some of them may have actually, you know, been trying to save the world and save humanity. Yeah. But a lot of it was they were making a lot of money and for it. That's another thing that I didn't bring up earlier, which I guess I should have included in my notes when I was talking about all the different. Remember near the beginning of this conversation when I was talking about uh, all the different factors that I kind of felt like fed into this whole monster, this, mm-hmm. this monster. One of them's got to be this legalism question. Right. Because if you're talking about like we're asking, why didn't they at least acknowledge immunity acquired, uh, sorry, infection acquired immunity mm-hmm. um, So to get the passport? Well, we kind of are ascertaining that it had to do with pushing corporate products right through Pfizer. Um, so is this a legal question in that if they can't back down on it now? Because once you make people get that shot, if you admit that you were wrong after, you're opening yourself up to quite a bit of liability, I imagine, right? So is that part of this too, do you think? I would say so. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say so. Which is unfortunate because that means they're going to go their whole damn lives without saying anything. Like they'll take it to the grave or they'll wait until the other government goes in. And then blame it on them, you know? Sure. Like, sure. let's say a Trump comes in. Yeah. And then you say, oh, my God, the government made people get vaccinated. The government should, and you know, should give them money. Yeah. And then that hurts this Trump character. And then you, you use that to help your election. So I think it will be admitted if it can help them in terms of politics. But they do have to be careful because the lawsuits will be, like, shuffling through. There are a lot of lawsuits in the 1970s. 76 one too. Oh, sure. The, uh, what was that one? I think it was the swine flu. It was the swine flu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what Ron Paul talked about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like they, and then, but then then the, the, um, yeah, the lawsuits just piled up, but now I don't know what's happening for this one. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I'm I'm honestly, I don't know. I'm not really into that. Like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, on the law side of things, I don't know how it works with them getting, you know, their blanket immunity. From lawsuits and stuff, yeah, I don't. They do because and, and it kind. It's I. I'm not 100 percent sure about this. Anyone feel free to fact check me, but I believe that they kind of got that authorization through emergency orders. Mm-hmm. I I think that's how they kind of justified it, and how they're keeping these things on board right now is by keeping that emergency order alive. Then you really don't have to own up to anything, right? So, I don't know. We'll see. Um, third thing that the Norfolk group is talking about is why were schools and universities closed despite early evidence about the enormous age gradient and COVID-19 mortality. Early data showing that schools were not major sources of spread and early evidence that school closures would cause enormous collateral damage to the education and mental health of children and young adults. I think all these why questions are just like, because they didn't want to push it and everything. But I know... I know one part that played into it was that the population didn't care about the early data. Like I remember telling um some of my friends that uh, because yeah. I went on the COVID on whatever website and I remember um seeing the statistics and seeing for ages one to nineteen it's like zero point zero zero two or something. Mm-hmm. 
And then I'm like, well, okay, so I'm like, okay, let's use some math. I, you know, back then I wasn't a big math guy. I'm mm-hmm. not really now, but I back then too, I was like, so I did, you know, I used some some cool math <laughs> to see how many people were getting sick and then seeing the percentage. I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's like five kids yeah. have gotten in in 2021, five yeah. children yeah. so far. Yeah. And I told that to one of my friends and he was like, wait, wait, let me check that. Like, let me see that yeah. for myself. Yeah. Like, they didn't believe me. So I'm like, wait a second, no one's looking at the data. Yeah. Oh, I know. Like, You're no right. One was, no one cared. One of my favorite games to play during uh, like 2022 was asking people in real life if they said, oh, well, you know, we got to do this to protect kids. And I, I, my favorite game was how many kids have died from COVID since yeah, the yeah. pandemic started? It was literally like 30 something. Yeah, and all, yeah, and almost all of them had major health problems. Yeah. So like we're talking about the sickest of sick kids dying from COVID, right? So like but if you ask them, they would have said hundreds, maybe thousands of kids have died, right? Like, we don't even know. We're still adding it up. There's too many to count. Like, no, it's literally a few dozen. There's like the Over one two side. years. Yeah. There's the one side that'll say, though, the other side that's like, oh, at least if it saves one kid, it's fine. Like, yeah. as long as we, we go into debt of like trillions of dollars or whatever, yeah. going to a massive unprecedented lockdown, people committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, drugs abuse going up, Alcohol, domestic bankruptcies, violence, yeah, 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 and all it, the yeah. social stigma that is coming out of it. Like even I mentioned in the book, um, in Illinois, I think, uh, yeah, the kid was in uh, I think grade nine, and he his friends or his classmates were saying he he's unvaccinated. You know, he's like a yeah. selfish bad guy, and I think he committed suicide. So like all these issues, and then what for nine kids? Yeah. Who unfortunately died of uh, you know of a sickness that that that's life right? Some people die of an infection. Yeah, you go on with life. Like, yeah, I know it sucks, but like if you're saying to save one kid, well, I guess you know let's take away your car. You could yeah. kill a kid with that. So yeah, let's take yeah, it away. Yeah, and then it's like, just just eliminate roads around schools. Like like how far do you want to take yeah, this? Yeah, right? Don't even talk because then you know you're transmitting <laughs> germ. Like the, yeah. just literally living up like that, that's what they want. That. That's the fear, right? So that yeah. slippery slope of just being in a simulation where no one gets hurt. Just hook me think, up to the matrix. I think right? that's. I yeah. wonder how many people would actually like that. You know, like yeah. imagine a world where we, we, imagine a world where you're so safe in your own house, and you put on the VR where it's so real, and then you live your life as a robot, I guess maybe, and you yeah. just live your work. You come home, and it's just like it's fake basically, but it's. I just wonder how people actually like that. I'm I know, but scared that was know. a consistent theme in your book that I loved was the anti-human nature of all these different things that they imposed on us. Because that, like, like you're saying about these things, that's how, like, I, I guess, like, Brave New World is my favorite book. And I read it at least once a year. And it's scary that every single year it gets more and more accurate. So it's it's strange that that can be the way it is. But... Uh, no, but like reminding, I feel like John the Savage going around trying to tell people, like, is this what you actually want? It, like, do you feel like you're not a person anymore? You're, you, like you said, you're a robot or you're a cog in some big machine. Don't you want to experience life and everything that has to offer instead of trying to stave off death? T- trying to stay alive and trying to avoid harm, that's not life. Like, there's an inherent danger to doing everything, and you get a thrill out of it. You get satisfaction out of conquering the difficult and dangerous things. But, I again, is this part of rising safetyism? Is this, like, a, a, like the way they want to play it, a unique one-off? You know. yeah, I think safetyism works into the technology, like, increasing. And people actually feel like they can live forever, you know? Yeah. Like there's this idea now that we, we can find a drug that'll you know that'll make us not age cells or whatever yeah. like our cells won't age. Yeah. 
think there's a real big push to like, and even with the cyberpunk, you know, with like certain yeah. technologies in your eyes and yeah. to sort of improve your hu- human condition. I feel like it's like, it's a little dangerous. You know, there's a lot of like anti-human sentiment that yeah. could grow that like people forget what it means to be human and what it means to live and then die yeah. in like a natural cycle. Yeah. I think people are starting to lose grasp of that. I agree. Not not only that, but like, I know this is, I'm talking two or three steps down the line, but we, <laughs> because we, they haven't even technically made us take the digital IDs yet, but they will. And uh, like getting some sort of a transhumanist thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's coming down the pike. I mean, even though we, we've said a lot of positive things off air about Elon Musk, he is a guy that wants to get this neural link thing going, right? Merging ourselves <laughs> with, like, we can just completely eliminate anything human about us. And just, again, I was having a conversation last night with my girlfriend about chat GPT. And she's, she's a writer, like I told you. And she's, like, some of her literary friends are like blackpilled because of chat pt like what's the point of even writing anymore right it's just going to take our 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 ideas and it's just going to so yeah this merging of digital technology with everything this is going and they accelerated a lot And, and like you wrote about a lot in your book this passport thing that was one of the most insidious parts of it it's accelerating the worst parts of this digitized life into into society and like you said normalizing it so the fourth question they have um why was there almost an exclusive focus on COVID 19 to the detriment of recognizing and mitigating collateral damage on other aspects of public health including but not limited to cancer screening treatment of diabetes cardiovascular diseases childhood vaccinations (laughs) and mental health so everything else suffered because of these programs, right? The, the the COVID regime. I think a funny one of these questions are almost like, let's like show you how bad you did and how wrong you are. And then why did you do it? It's because I'm a bad guy. Dude. That's why. That's yeah. actually answer a lot of them. It's bad guys, stupid, panic. A lot of paranoia sure. was a big thing. Sure. You know, it's like a novel virus from China and everyone's dying in China, apparently. And all the videos are from Italy too. People just walking the street and like collapsing on the ground. A lot of that paranoia made the government like become like insane and then just go hard in. Like I think lockdowns was like what I feel like it was like going to the extreme, like instantaneously. And then no conversations were had at all. You know, it was lockdowns extreme, vaccine passports extreme. Yeah. Mass mandates were also pretty extreme. That was never a yeah. thing in before. That was, it was all these extreme measures. And no one was like, you, you, you were afraid to talk about it because, you know, you would be called anti-lockdown, anti-mask, anti-vax, anti, uh, you, you would be called pro-germ, yeah. pro-virus. Yeah. As if you're helping. Super <laughs> spreader, plague rat, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. so it was so hard to have a normal conversation about what's going on and what, you know, should be a public policy. Yeah. So I feel like why is because paranoia and bad people were involved. Um, okay, so another question. I'll, I'm not going to go to all the questions that the Norfolk Group has, but here's one that's more directly connected to what you write about. Uh, question seven they have. Uh, could therapeutic trials have been run in a more timely manner? How was information on drug effectiveness and safety disseminated to doctors and clinicians? Were effective therapeutics easily accessible across the population? And did certain drugs become heavily politicized? Yeah, I know. But yeah, I, that was a big mm, crime too. 
that's a crime in itself. The way that they blocked certain drugs from being used. Yeah. The government literally told a ha ha like they went into a hospital and said, "You can't use this drug. Yeah. We'll throw you in jail." Yeah. That was just nuts to me. How you wouldn't let people use the drugs that they thought worked for them, and they had to use their one. You know, they had to use the one that they subsidized and the one that they profit from. And I think why too, and I think I bring it up too with certain of um this ivermectin and certain drugs, like they're non patented, right? Yep. So it's just you don't the pharma guys You're don't make American, so much yeah, profit. Yeah. So I think a lot of us it's sad to think how much of it was just bad people doing bad things, and unfortunately. But the drug thing I think was just a crime. That was just crazy. Yeah, I mean, because the whole basis behind the passport is that the vaccines worked. Right. And that, this is, again, why I always get pointed back in the direction of big pharma being the, the, the biggest criminal here, because they lied through their teeth to everyone. And then, like we said about the politicians aren't going to back down once they do something right They They got to double and triple and quadruple down on it or else they're going to be on the hook. Yeah. So, OK, so let's go on to the next one. Why did vaccine randomized trials not evaluate mortality? hospitalization and transmission as primary endpoints. Why were they terminated early? Why were there so few studies from the highest quality CDC and FDA vaccine safety systems? So why did they ignore essentially all the evidence? Yeah. I love these questions. Yeah. <laughs> I can just picture them saying it in front of them. Yeah. And just it, it's sort of like a it's sort of like a fake question. It's like Yeah, exactly. It's like a Rhetorical. It's rhetorical. It's rhetorical, but it's it's also like just seeing them squirm. Yeah, squirm. Like, oh, just I don't seeing know why. the squirm is worth the price of admission, right? Yeah. Like, I don't even care if they don't answer it. Like, yeah. I just want to see them have to face it, right? Yeah, but, yeah. I ho hopefully it happens. Yeah, I'm just scared it'll be like the thing in the Ottawa convoy. You know, they had that emergency commission. It was just a, we found no wrongdoing. Yeah, right? yeah. So, uh, hopefully that's not what happens. But it'd be fine to see these questions used at least, and seeing them squirm as they lie about it. Yeah, that that'd be. <laughs> That'd be awesome to see them have to like, but again, if there's no enforceable penalty, like I don't even see the point of it really. Yeah. Like I, I, I want, I, I don't know. I'd want to see a Nuremberg 2.0. I know that's not going to happen, but that would be something else. Now it's like a French revolution. Thing. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I like guess like I'm sort of like tired of the same excuses and yeah. it's sort of like, that's why I'm kind of glad it's all happening. You know, like, Show your cards, show who you are, and just wait until more people start to wake up. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. Okay. Okay, Avil, it's been a long interview so far, but we're at the end, and I wanted to just get a final thought from you after I read a quotation from your book that I really enjoyed. So you wrote, quote, As to be expected with any use of governmental force, there were citizens who complied, and there were those who dissented. The people who refused were locked in their homes, barred from employment, and ostracized from all facets of ordinary society. Those who complied were also locked up and restricted, albeit with more privileges than their counterparts. A notable difference between the two camps was that the obedient blamed their cage, not on the government that threw away the key, but on their own neighbors who were caged all the same. End quote. Good quote. <laughs> I, it's a great quote. That's it. Do you have any final thoughts on that kind yeah. of a note? I think that's a that was a, that was a big um, sort of um, unfortunate uh, situation where people were fighting against one another, and you were like blaming this person for prolonging things or for the fact that you can't go to a restaurant, or you can't go travel, you can't see your family. 
but it's like we're in the same situation you know like it's not us it's the government and it's just unfortunately people don't see themselves it's like we it's like us versus the government it's like us uh, it's like the neighbors versus the neighbors kind of yeah so i think that's like an unfortunate uh reality that happened absolutely it was a sad uh event in human history and but luckily you documented it beautifully in your book again everyone the name of the book is ethics of vaccine passports a poor bargain by avil oppenheim and if you do want to reach out to him, he is on Twitter at, at Oppenheim Avial. That's correct. Right. Okay. Last name, first. <laughs> Last name, first name. And uh, I, I'm going to include it in the show notes so you can go there if you can't find it. And uh, Avial, thank you for coming, man. I appreciate uh, it, brother. Uh, thanks for, ha- thanks for ha- having me. It was good. Network, indie pods with a dark side.